welcome everybody to episode number 29 of Sports Cards Live. And this is going to be a bit of an experimental episode. No guests this evening. Uh, the first time since episode number one when I streamed alone just to lay the foundation for what this was going to turn into. And to be honest, uh, turned into something that I had no idea would turn into back during episode number one. So uh, it's kind of... Uh, Coming full circle here, episode number 29, no guest, experimental, going to be definitely taking all the comments and questions. I've got a few topics that I do want to talk about this evening, and I got a few times I'm going to share my screen to show a few things and share a few things. So, um, But hey, let's just kick it off by I obviously want to thank my last two guests, a couple of really special guests. Episode 27, Chris Barr, product basketball manager for Panini. And uh, just back on Wednesday, Grant Sandground, Director of Product Development for Upper Deck, was my guest. A couple of excellent episodes, tons of insights from people who work pretty high up in these in these sports card companies, Panini and Upper Deck. I mean, two of the main companies that there are, right? I mean, uh, it doesn't get much better than that. And we've had a lot of great guests on the show and uh, planning to continue to do so. Coming up on Wednesday... None other than the most iconic name in this hobby, Dr. James Beckett, will be joining me here, just beside me, that side, and uh, we're going to have a great chat. I'm super, super excited about that, looking forward to it. It's sort of a, a bit of a dream come true, I guess you could say, for me with um, having Dr. Beckett on the show. So I see you're a lot of you already in the room. Welcome, everybody. Great to have you. So let's just see, who do we have? Name is in the house. Brian, welcome. Thank you for your messages earlier. Paul, hello. Rich Klein, good evening. Al, great to see you. Adam, hello. Scott, hello. Ernie, hello. Joey, hello. Sean, hello. Colin, hello. Got your message earlier. Thank you very much. Isaiah, hello. Jay, hello. Name, Vegas Buck, one of the legends from the Beckett boards back in the day. That's true. That is true. Adam, hello. Ziggy, welcome as always. Yamwax, welcome. Tim, look at you. Good to see you again. Zach, welcome. Sean, how are you doing, my man? Sean was a guest on, I forget what episode it was. Sean, you'll have to remind me. I can look it up. But Eli, welcome. Legion Italia, welcome. Joey, welcome. Guys, great to see you all here this evening. A BMB regular. Now that brings back some memories, right? I mean, I remember the Beckett boards. That was my first foray into really a uh, hobby community outside of card shows. And uh, Ernie, welcome. And that was like, gosh, 2000. And I had just moved to Calgary. It was about 2002. And I remember coming home from work every day and uh, going straight to my computer to see what was going on on the Beckett boards. That was, uh, that's a long time ago already. So yeah. And then we all migrated over, all the hockey guys migrated over to Hobby Insider, the basketball guys, I believe back in those days, went to Freedom Cardboard. And a lot of the baseball and maybe the football guys also went over to um, Sports Card Forum. So I think all these play, I don't know if Freedom Cardboard still exists, but I know Hobby Insider certainly does exist. I'm the lead admin on that site. And uh, Sports Card Forum definitely still exists. I know that just changed hands again. Scott Kozlowski no longer owns that message board. I'm not sure who he sold it to or who took it over, but that is now owned by somebody else. And I haven't really been on there lately to see what, uh, you know, how it's changed, if at all. In any event, who else is here? Okay, Facebook user. This is a anonymous Facebook user. So I feel like I don't have as much pressure on me tonight because there's no guest. So I can sort of take my time a little bit and uh, let you all know that if you are watching on Facebook, I just put on the ticker there, uh, don't be an anonymous Facebook user. If you go to streamyard.com slash Facebook, click that big blue button. You only have to do it once ever. 
and then I'll know who you are and I'll be much more comfortable addressing you and uh, getting into some discussion. Uh, what does Billy say? Uh, if you could open one sealed box ever of cards from any sport, what would it be? It costs you nothing and you keep the cards, but you can never crack packs again. Would you do it? No, I don't think I would do it. I don't think I'd want to give up being able to crack packs for the rest of my life, even though I'm not nearly the biggest pack or, or you know wax breaker that there is. But I don't think I would. But if I had to, if I had to make that choice, I don't think I would. I mean, man, I'm, I'm a hockey guy, you know, to the core. I'd probably go with a, a box of 7980 OPG hockey and try and hit a couple Gretzky rookies. I think that's what I would be doing. Mitchell, welcome to the show. Well, yeah, Ziggy wouldn't do it either. No, me neither. Another anonymous Facebook user. I hope you are well, too. Please go to StreamYard.com slash Facebook and click that big blue button. Hello, Max. Rich says, since I have not run a show in a while, I have not been on many of the boards I used for publicity. Fair enough, fair enough. Joe Sackick, that is, is that Alex? I think it's Alex Howdy name. I had a summer student job in the first year I was back in the hobby, 2004, when I was in university and I would sneak on the Beckett boards throughout the day. I was so excited about that. Yeah, man. Let's face it. Who of us out there does not hobby while we're working? I mean, I don't, I don't want to, I hope, you know, I don't want to say I'm doing it all the time, but you know, when you're walking through the office or you're going to the, the men's room or you're whatever you're doing, you know, it's it's I think it's good to take a break every so often throughout your day and just kind of clear your head and zone out, hobby out and come back. Like even if it's just a one minute break, uh, looking at the hobby, I do it all the time. No doubt. Doobie, welcome to the show. So Brian wants to know, so what has your collecting strategy been lately? Singles ripping, trading, do you run a shop? I think you're asking me, Brian, and if you are, no, I do not run a shop. I ran a shop. I had a card store in Winnipeg, Canada from 1991 till 1993 or 94 about, but I haven't run a shop since then. And uh, for me, my collecting strategy is I call myself a sharpshooter. I'm out there looking for cards that I want and I snag them when I can at prices that I think are fair. I do overpay sometimes. I've talked about it before. I've overpaid on big cards um, on many occasions, but when I'm overpaying, I'm usually quite confident that in time, the value of that card is going to catch up to what I paid and probably surpass it. And that has happened every single time I've done it. So um, I know I, I think we're going to jump around a little bit tonight between topics and I'm okay with that, but I'm just going to say, you know, I encourage you guys if, you know, and of course it's all, dependent on your your financial resources and everything like that but you know if you're going to overpay for a card and you can you're you know you consider yourself a collector but you also understand that there's an aspect of investing to when you're collecting i recommend that you you know especially if it's a rare card that doesn't come up very often and you want it and you have the money at that time buy it if you have to overpay a little bit overpay a little bit because if it's a great piece you will not regret it and in time it will catch up to what you paid and likely surpass it as i said it's happened to me many times the first time i did it was kind of by accident back in 2008 i bought a mickey mantle 1951 bowman rookie card his true rookie not the 52 tops which people think is the rookie and i understand why they call it that but technically it isn't and i, I was just surfing ebay one night and i came across this mickey mantle rookie that was about to end in like three minutes i didn't have time to do any research on it it was a psa 6 and i bought it i just put in like a big bid and i bought the card and i looked over at my roommate at the time i go i go sean you won't believe what i just did he goes what'd you do i go i just bought a mickey mantle rookie and i have no idea if i what if i paid fair on it anyway 
you know, that's already, that was 2008 or so, or 12 years later, and that card is now worth at least quadruple what I paid for it back then. And so there's an, there's an example of overpaying and not feeling bad about it. And not, well, I shouldn't say not feeling bad about it, not, you know, worrying about it too much and understanding that in time, really quality pieces, rare pieces, important pieces are going to increase in value. Colin Murray says 65 tops. That's what you would open. Are you talking about uh, the tall boy hockey or are you talking about the baseball set? Sorry, not the tall boy hockey. That would have been the 64s. Uh, the 65, that would be the Phil Esposito year and Yvonne uh, uh, Cornoyer and Eddie Jackman. That set, beautiful set. I'd love to see a box of that get opened. Joey, what do you say? If you can open any one single box, any sport in a year, which you're ripping? I think maybe I already addressed that. Wow, the comments are coming in fast already. Okay. Joshua says, what's your favorite in the game product ever? For me, my favorite in the game product is uh, the, the in the game ultimate memorabilia from, uh, I believe it is the 0809 year when they debuted the jumbo uh, logo, the jumbo emblems and tags and numbers. And I collected those. I can show those. Hey, you know what? I can do that right now. I'm going to show you guys these cards because I have a whack collection of them. I've got... I've got 84 of these cards, so I do have this teed up to go. Let's see what this looks like, guys. There we go. So this is my this is a folder in my personal collection called In the Game Ultimate Memorabilia One of One Ultimate Emblems. And uh, basically, uh, they're in order of acquisition by year. So these are all one of ones. They're all from the sweet spot of the game used jersey of all these players. And people might want to know this one here, the Mario Lemieux. That's the most, sorry, this one here. The Mario Lemieux, that's the one that I paid the most for over the years. But I'll scroll down. You guys can see the quality of, this, of these cards and why that's my favorite ITG product ever. But I've been I've been buying these cards up since 2000 and whenever they came, eight, come out, came, whenever they came out, 08 or 09. I don't really remember the first year that I started buying them. But I mean, I've been acquiring them ever since. And people seem to know that I collect these and they bring them to me. I've got 84 of these in the collection right now. And um Always kind of looking for more, but I, I want interesting pieces. They weren't all awesome all the time. But thank you to Dr. Brian Price for creating this set in the first place and really being the first product that included a almost a full card-sized patch, game use patch in it. We've now we've seen the 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 prime, uh, I forget what they were called in Prime, the the, the mega patches, the mega patches in, in Upper Deck's premier collection. Those are all um, those all came out after these guys started coming out. And I think this is what inspired that. So pretty, pretty cool. I love these cards and they're definitely my my favorite uh, in the game cards ever made. And I know Dr. Price thinks they're pretty cool, too. Uh, OK, let's see where we are here. Sorry, guys, I'm just scanning these. Wow. You guys are pumping me with comments here and I do appreciate that. So let's see. Uh, yeah, Ziggy would would open up a box of Prism Basketball 2012. That would be fun, especially with, with what's going on right now. Josh Thorne, Beckett Boards. Yes, you remember those days too. Jo Jason, you should try bidding on a card during a busy service at work. Yeah, so Jason works in a in a kitchen. He's a he's a chef actually at a restaurant in Banff, Alberta. Beautiful, beautiful ski country. Uh, Rocky Mountains and uh, Jay, I can only imagine what it's like bidding on cards while you are cooking for people in your restaurant. Uh, but hey, we we as collectors, we do what we have to do when we have to do it. I think we all understand that bidding on cards. If you're if you're a sniper like me, you like it to come in at the very end and get that card that you want. You have to be ready to do it no matter what else you're doing. I mean, you know, I've done it 
in every situation in life before. And sometimes you just gotta, you just kind of gotta ignore the people that are looking at you cring cringing their, their, their teeth at you because they're like, what's this guy doing on his phone at this moment? Well, hey, I gotta, I need to buy a card. I know you all understand that. Hopefully they, uh, well, who cares if they understand it or not? It's just the way we are. Uh, Josh says, imagine being a postmaster and delivering your own mail while being on the job. It's amazing work. Uh, yeah, that would, that would definitely be fun. Tim, welcome to the show. Yeah, me too. I must say, you know, in terms of this uh, freestyle episode, I, this is the first time in like three months where I felt no pressure throughout the day, you know, not, not worried about the episode or just going to take it as it comes. And uh, so I thank you all for joining. I'm excited by, like I said, I do have a few things that I do want to talk about. I want to thank everybody too, by the way, closing in on 700 subscribers on YouTube. That's pretty awesome. If you're new to the show, I appreciate you tuning in. Please consider subscribing to the YouTube channel, Sports Cards Live. Jay Yokish, welcome to the show. Speaking of mega patches, Jay has probably the biggest mega patch collection in the world from Upper Deck's Premier Collection. Um, Wax Museum Podcast, good evening and good evening. Billy says, you mentioned on a previous show that you took over HI. Who created HI and what inspired you to want to run the forum? Good question, Billy. So uh, HI stands for Hobby Insider, everybody. Hobby Insider is a online message board forum. And uh, it was created in 2003, almost exactly when the Beckett boards kind of stopped being the place to hang out. And it was created by a gentleman by the name of Ike Newton out of somewhere out of the States. I don't really know the gentleman. But he, a few years later, sold it to another gentleman out of uh, British Columbia, Victoria, or not Victoria, off the island, Bruce Findlay, who many of you know. Bruce acquired the site from Ike probably in around 2007, I think. He owned it for five years. And in 2012, Bruce wanted to open up a pub. And uh, I guess he needed some money for that, to, you know, a little bit of a capital raise. And we were, we were good buddies at that time. I was a very active user on Hobby Insider, a very active member. And uh, we, I remember actually sitting in my office doing some work and I'm on the phone with Bruce and uh, we did a deal uh, just on the phone. It took us about probably about 15 minutes to get the, to work out the deal in principle. I slept on it and, uh, and then I, so I purchased it from him and I've run it ever since. And that was back in two, yeah, that was 2012. So, um, and what inspired me to want to run the forum, uh, Billy? Well, nothing really, I, it's not like I wanted to, I, it was kind of from out of, out of left field when it happened. And um, running it, it's been a great experience all the way through. It's had its ups and downs, that's for sure. Um, I've given it more attention at times versus less attention, just depends on what's going on in my life. We've had a great group of moderators who have helped to kind of keep things clean and keep it in, organized and all that. Uh, but, um, you know, when I was willing to take it over, it was because I was... Uh, you know, I was very involved and I thought, hey, here's an opportunity to uh, kind of get a, a elevate my position in the hobby, I guess is what it came down to. Ziggy says, can I share my hobby background? I know so many people. How do you get so connected? Anyone in your family collect with you? Yeah, Ziggy, good question. So um, no, nobody in my family collects with me. Back uh, when, when I had my card shop in 1991 through 94, my brother was sort of our a partner. Um, we were called JJ's Sports Cards in, in Winnipeg, Canada. And, um, but what, how I got to know people really, uh, it comes down to going to card shows, talking to people. Uh, I think the big thing was really, um, and I've talked about this before, but in 2006, seven, Upper Deck put out a product called SP Game Used, and it had 
for the first time it had these um, eight patch cards. So the car, and I'll show them, I have them up ready to go. They are cards that were the, for the very first time had patches of eight players on them. And uh, here we go. We'll do it like that. So these cards here. So this is like, for example, this is the front and this is the back, front, back, front, back. So there's only, it looks like there's 12 cards here. There's only six cards here. They are all one of ones. And they came out one year and I, all of a sudden I realized, whoa, there's like three of them on eBay right now. I knew where a fourth one was. So I only had to track down two more. And I thought, hey, if I could put together all six of these, that would be pretty cool. They were at the time, they were like the first cards I'd ever seen that were like 360 point thick. And I thought, hey, again, if I can put this together, that would be pretty cool. And so lo and behold, I managed, excuse me, I managed to acquire all six of these cards. Um, the last one was the, the, the Russian theme card, which is this one here. That's Alexander Ovechkin right up, right up there. It's got, uh, I mean, it's got, it's got eight players on it front and back. And, you know, some of these cards are kind of, some of them don't have some, there's a few duds on these cards in terms of the player selection, but overall it's a great collection. The first eight patches ever. And uh, so I put them together and I took them to the expo in Toronto with me the year after I had it done. And I went and I showed it to the guys at Upper Deck. I said, hey, check this out. And that's when I met Carvin, who was my my guest on episode number two. And uh, Carvin took me over to the Beckett booth and said, hey, you guys should look at what he, what this guy accomplished. And so I went to the Beckett booth and I was able to uh, to write an article for the magazine about my, my really a bit about my hobby origin story. And um, I have that episode, that, sorry, that issue somewhere. I'll, I'll, I can share it later, but um so that that's kind of one of the one of the things that kind of got me in in with Upper Deck a little bit, knowing some of the people there, um, and then it was really through owning Hobby Insider because all the I shouldn't say all many of the card company staff for Upper Deck um, in the game Leaf uh, the hockey the companies that make hockey cards and Panini for that matter they are all members on on Hobby Insider and they frequent the boards regularly still to this day seeing what's going on because there's a lot of collectors on there that talk about things so uh that's pretty much how I know and then I do have a relative that lives in Scottsdale Arizona who is in the autograph business and does a lot of work with the autograph authenticators for his company so uh, companies like JSA, PSA, uh, PSA then with uh, Steve Grad moving over, over to Beckett Grading Services. So I, when I go to the National, I hang out with with uh, my relative there, and by virtue of hanging out with him, I'm hanging out with some of these other uh, people in the hobby, and uh, really, you know, Steve Grad being maybe the most prominent, and uh, and so I've been friends with him really through that since already. I think we're going back to 2011 or 12 before he was even on Pawn Stars for the first time. So anyway, uh, Ziggy, there you go. A bit about my my history. But, you know, I've been collecting my whole life. Um, I, my first memory of cards would go back to about 1979, just in my with hanging out at my cousin's house. And, um, you know, I never really stopped collecting. I was one of those kids in in grade school that I took care of my cards. I didn't. I didn't put them in my bike spokes. I didn't throw them against the wall. I kept my cards in good condition. I cherished them from a very young age before there was ever a Beckett price guide that really assigned values to these for us. And uh, But I do remember the, the day that that first Beckett issue came out, that first Beckett hockey magazine came out and kind of it changed everything. It was like, whoa, I actually have some value here. And um, you know, I think it changed everything for a lot of us. And just like the way the internet changed everything for a lot of us in terms of the hobby and access to cards that were 
thought of as impossible. I remember growing up in Winnipeg and seeing there was like, I remember going to a, one store in the city, had a Bobby Orr rookie and it was like in the, one of those thick, thick slabs. And, um, you know, you couldn't even, it, it, it was like some, a mythical sort of thing. You didn't even think this thing existed, but lo and behold, it did. Nowadays, you know, you can find a Bobby Orr rookie card any day you want to buy one. You just have to go on, on eBay or on other auction sites and find one. But I've collected my whole life and continue to. I, I did slow down in the late 90s. Uh, but back in about 2000, I kind of got back in heavy and I've been heavy in this ever since. A lot of you guys watching that know me will, will can attest to that, I'm sure. Carlo says, Beckett used to to skirt that by doing the FTC, which I believe is the first tops card to avoid it. I'm not sure what you're talking about there, but that's okay. Zach says, how do you balance being both a collector and a dealer? PC versus things you sell, attachment to cards, budget, et cetera. Is your price negotiation different when you're behind the table versus online? Zach, that's a great question because um, I'm, I have a very distinct difference between what's in my personal collection and what would I would call my inventory or cards that... I'm willing to sell. So I buy cards for my personal collection on the on the regular all the time, almost every day. But I also buy cards to sell. I'll buy a lot if someone's selling because I love going to card shows. The reason why I set up a card shows goes back to I was at a show one time. It was the expo. I was there and it was two, it was the fall expo 2005, I believe. And um, there's this guy that I kind of knew. His name was Aaron and he had a booth and he was alone. And he said to me, hey, do you mind watching my booth for me for a bit? I want to go out looking for some deals. I said, hey, sure. I wouldn't mind, you know, taking the weight off and sitting down for a few minutes. So I sat in his booth and he, he said to me, if you want, you can, you can put some cards in the showcase while you're doing this. So I put some of my cards in the showcase that were like traders. And that was my first taste of being a dealer at a card show. And um, <laughs> I, I loved it. I mean, it was, it was awesome. And I never, I just, I never looked back. I started setting up at the expo um, and other card shows, basically any card show I could get to, I was set up at since then. And, um, you know, in order to do card shows, you need to, you need, it, it costs money, especially for me. You, I, there's a flight, there's the hotel, there's the car rental, there's the booth rental, there's the showcase rental. It adds up. There's the gas for the car rental. I don't consider food because you got to eat anyway, but, um, you know, if you're going to do a card show, you're going to you're going to have expenses. You need to be able to pay for that. So I thought, OK, I'm going to start buying some cards to make some money on to really to to fund my trip and to fund my own collection. And that's how I got started on that. But to the question, Zach, um, I'm collector first, like by a long shot, by a long shot. Um, I'm dealer second, but I deal. I, I, I'm a card dealer in order to fund my collecting. It, it's it's really, you know, there's no what came, it's no, there's no chicken or egg here. Definitely collecting came first, dealing came second and dealing, being a card vendor, being a vendor at card shows is so much fun. It's absolutely a ton of fun. And um, I love, uh, I love whenever someone comes by my booth, I don't care who you are, what your box looks like, what you have. If you say, do you want to look at my cards? I always say yes, because you never know what you're going to see inside that box. And uh, and I love uh, I love placing cards into people's collections. So I, I kind of consider like some cards I don't care about if I'm if they're my inventory, I, I have no emotional attachment to them. I'll sell them to anybody that wants to pay my price. Other cards get into my inventory after detouring through my personal collection. I think we all go through phases where we have our personal collection and, you know, there may be 
we all use this term PC. What do you PC? Who do you PC? Well, people ask me that all the time. It's like, I can't answer that because let me show you guys who I, how I PC. So I'm just going to do this again here right there. So this is my PC. You see right there, I keep it in my Dropbox. It says PC scans, sorry, it says PC scans right up here. Each folder is a different PC of mine, each of these. So if you guys can read this, you, you will now know exactly what I click. Here are those one of one ultimate emblems that I showed before. Here's my graded baseball personal collection, my graded basketball, my graded football, my graded hockey inserts, my graded hockey rookies, really just my vintage hockey graded. What that is graded miscellaneous, my Dale Howarchuk collection, my inserts collection, that's hockey. Uh, you know, then specific sets that I collect or have completed along the way or kind of up here. Um, you know, I have a Jeremy Roenick and a Ron Francis, small collection, a Mark Shifley small collection, a small Timu Solani collection, some SP Authentic and other cup auto patches, ultimate premium patches, my unopened packs collection, which is pretty awesome, I must say. So, and this is it. There's no scrolling. This is my personal collection. And like I've said before, it it's about 3,000 cards throughout all these folders. So, some cards are in here and, and they may not be there forever, but most are there forever. Most of these cards are not cards that I'm willing to, to, to move. So you know, I'm, I'm happy to show some of these uh, in a little bit, but, uh, but that's it. My, my inventory sits in these boxes, like right there. That's none of that is personal collection. That's my inventory. And it's cards that I take to shows and I sell. So really, um, you know, attachment to cards though, Zach, I mean, you ask about attachment to cards. I get attached to cards like probably very few people do. The the level of attachment that I have and feel towards some cards is uh, is pretty crazy. As an example, um, my childhood Wayne Gretzky rookie, I had it graded in 2008. It came back a PSA 7.5. And I had it at a card show, the Summit in Edmonton, probably in about 2014, I'd say. And back then, the card was worth about eight or $900. And uh, I had it with me, but I didn't want to sell it. And somebody said to me, hey, I heard you have a Gretzky rookie. I said, yeah. Can I see it? Okay, sure, but I don't really want to sell it. He goes, okay, well, what's your price? I go, I don't know, $1,500, thinking I'll throw it a double number. He goes, okay, I'll take it. And I like, whoa, <laughs> hold on a second, man. I, we weren't supposed to say I'll take it. And I actually retracted the offer. I said, listen, um, probably the, the one and only time in my life well, where I'm going to kind of back out of a deal because I emotionally was not ready to sell that card. Contrast that with my childhood Mario Lemieux rookie, which I graded out as a PSA 8 back then. And I ended up, I did sell that at, at the expo a few years ago after kind of upgrading to a nine for myself. And I remember selling that card and the buyer was a great guy, a great guy, had a great collection, but I needed to know that before I was going to sell him my card, because this is a card I had literally had since 1985 or 86. So we're talking about 30 years and, um, and I, I didn't really want to sell it, but at the time I'm like, okay, you got to let go of some things. So I sold it to this gentleman and I was comfortable knowing that it was going to a good home. It's like, you know, I don't want to compare it to a child, maybe a pet where you put it up for adoption. I was, that's how I felt. I mean, I know some of you are probably thinking, no, oh, this guy's crazy, but some of you are probably feeling, are probably thinking like, yeah, I get it. Right. So anyway, that's kind of my, my story on attachment. Uh, in terms of budget, I, I do believe like most people do buy what you can buy the best you can afford, but that's, that's a hard one to follow because a lot of times like, well, okay, I could afford this one card for a thousand, but maybe I want three cards that are worth 350 bucks each instead, and they may be lower grades. So I might have to compromise the grade to get more cards because I only have a finite amount of money, but I buy what I want and I worry about it later. A lot of the time I, I think is what, what 
what comes uh, what it comes down to for me. Austin, what do you say? Uh, what are your thoughts on buying Crosby rookies versus McDavid's? I mean, it's an easy, easy answer for me. It goes without saying Crosby is the much smarter purchase right now, long term. Um, I'm thinking long term, short term. You may have better luck with McDavid because he's playing. Things are happening, and he could see his values go up and down very often. You know, it's uh, he's got more things going on. Where I, I, Crosby's obviously still active, but Crosby's got Stanley Cups, the Golden Goal, uh, you know, all sorts of personal awards. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Might even get to skip the five year uh, moratorium period there. So, I think the better buy. The smarter buy is Sidney Crosby. The riskier buy is Connor McDavid. Is Connor McDavid going to win a cup anytime soon in Edmonton? I mean, I'm a Calgary Flames fan, so I'm going to say I hope not. I doubt it. But as far as his cards go, and I'm invested in those too, and I, I collect some, I collect rookie cards, so I have some. Um, I, I hope it's kind of weird. I kind of hope he does. I kind of hope he doesn't, but I don't know. Flames aren't that close to the Stanley Cup either right now. Uh, Brian, it seems you would overpay at times. It seems you would overpay times, but I like it. Good explanation. I'm trying similar. Yeah, just be careful. You know, don't overpay for something that is a high volume card that come that you can buy any day of the week. If you're going to overpay for a card, you want to overpay for something that is a card that is an iconic card, an important card. Um, I don't overpay for many cards unless I'm talking about maybe paying $25 instead of 20 just because I like the card and I don't, I'm tired of looking for another copy. But if you're in the thousands of dollars, you know, you may... Yeah, it depends what it is. If you're buying a 52 tops Mickey Mantle, you can overpay a little bit. If you're buying a Wayne Gretzky rookie card, even though it's a high volume card, it's such an important card. And if you see a copy you like and don't fall into the trap of, oh, it's a PSA 7. All PSA 7s go for this. Why are you asking that? Well, not all PSA 7s are the same. Not all PSA 8s are the same. This goes across all cards, vintage particularly, because modern cards are cut a lot more precisely and 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 better. So um, but as far as vintage goes, I mean, if you see a card you like and you need to overpay because the seller feels that it may be strong for the grade, then go ahead and, and buy that card. If it's a good card, it's I believe it's going to go up in value over time. And I've experienced that. I did it again. I, I overpaid for a card in January of 2020. I set a record on, on this particular card as far as public knowledge or public record went. And I, uh, you know. I didn't break the record by much, but I set, I paid, I paid more than anybody had ever paid for this card. And I was at, at the time I was like, okay, I got this card. It's a, it's a, it's a bit of a whale card. It's a, a grail type of card. It's a Michael Jordan jambalaya. I'll tell you what it was. It was the Michael Jordan 97 jambalaya in a BGS 9.5 holder. And uh, it's a card that I wanted and an important card and an iconic card. It kind of represents the whole nineties for, uh, for, basketball inserts and I overpaid and you know what I mean we all know what the hobby's done lately I'm, I'm well ahead of what I paid now even though I broke records and that my record has since been broken once you see your price get broken that's when you know okay you can like relax right? I'm no longer the highest bidder or payer ever for this card so once in a while you do it if you got it what does Rich say Zach if you really want to be full-time dealer not one do not doing it on the side you probably should not be doing PC keep items Keeping items keeps you away from maximum profit. Yeah, you know, I think there's truth to that, Rich, for sure. It's just like, you know, that old saying, don't, uh, what do they say? You, you know, don't don't smoke your own stash type of thing, right? If uh, And I agree with that. You know, if you're gonna, if you're just in this for for business, then yeah, you don't have a personal collection because you don't, maybe don't have an emotional attachment to these things. If you have an emotional attachment to cards, it's gonna be hard to sell some. And I 
Uh, that's why I have a very distinct break between what is personal and what is inventory. Brian, not quite pulling the trigger on Gretzky or LeBron, but yeah, well, when, when you're ready, man, when you're ready. Isaiah, I was hoping you and Grant would discuss Upper Deck's strategy with autos. The products last at the beginning of the year all are all have sticker autos and the products at the end of the year are mostly hard signed. Yeah, um, we couldn't cover everything with Grant. We covered a lot. We went oh, we went two hours and 25 minutes. I mean, that's these are long episodes, as you guys well know by now. So uh, sorry, we couldn't cover everything. Austin, thoughts on investing in the stock market versus investing in cards? I'm cards all the way. Stock market is, uh, I don't, I mean, unless you are a professional reader of financial statements, how do you really know? And even if you are a professional reader of financial statements and management discussion and analysis reports, and quarterly filings, how do you really know what's going on in a company? I work for a public company. I'm a VP of finance for a public company. So I can tell you that if you don't work in the company, you don't truly know what's going on in that company. And uh, not that there's things being hidden. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you can't really know. You're, you're only following headlines and press releases and what other people are saying. And uh, to me, with sports cards, if you're knowledgeable in it, like I consider myself to be, you can do, a, I know I've done a lot better. I just have to look at it. It's it's a no-brainer for me. Anonymous Facebook user. Uh, I've let this left this on the ticker below here. Don't be an anonymous Facebook user. Please go to streamyard.com slash Facebook. Click that big blue button. How would I handle one and two for next season? I mean, I'm not upper deck, so this is not my problem, and I'm sure it's challenging for them. But as Grant mentioned uh, just the other day on this show, they are going to be putting out series one and series two. Will it be late? maybe a little bit, but it's coming out. What would I do? I don't know. It really depends what the rules are from the league. What, what are the constraints that Upper Deck is under in terms of what players can get in? Can they get, I mean, are we going to get a hockey draft? When When's the draft? I'm not even sure off the top of my head. And then are any of those top picks going to be able to be in a set if they haven't touched the ice yet? So I'm not sure what I would do because I don't know what the constraints are. So I'm sorry I can't give you more insight into that. Ah, okay. Thank you, name. Those are beautiful. Must be to my jumbo patches. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Yes, Josh, the duck face. I'll bring those up again, guys, just because I do love them and I'm super proud of these cards. And, um, you know, I've, like I said, I've, I've had these for, I've been doing these cards for a while. And this is the first one I ever acquired was the Timu Solani. That's a Solani. That's a Mark Messier. That's Eric Stahl, Denny Savard, Cam Neely. This is Gordie Howe. New England Whalers, an amazing piece. Maybe the best piece of memorabilia that's ever come out for him. This is Gilbert Perrault, Mario Lemieux. Uh, that's Jeremy Roenick, Dominic Hasek. I mean, it goes on. I actually, this one here, Dion Phaneuf, this is the only one I ever pulled from a pack myself. Anyway, thank you, Josh. All right. Rich says to Ziggy, you hear me? You hear me on HH this morning. That's something we have not discussed, but it's a great topic to bring up here as well. I wish I knew what HH was off the top of my head. Probably another YouTube show, which I'm, I'd love to hear about. All right. Yes, the Sabres Red and Black. That's a Hassock card. Kyle Taves says, just found your show. I had no idea you were such a big collector when I bought that Landeskog RPA from you at the card show with Bork. I remember that. That was in Vancouver, I believe. Just got back into the... No, I, no, it wasn't in Vancouver. That was at the... Uh, that was at the virtual. Uh, just go back on the hobby one and a half years ago. Loving this hobby talk. Welcome to the show, Kyle, and thank you for the deal. Definitely, definitely. Well, 405 Ultimate Upper Deck Jumbos came first. Yeah, I, but those had a pick. I don't consider those full card full card patches myself, Josh, but they are. I hear you. Those are definitely very cool cards. 
Ralphie, welcome to the show. Welcome. Brian, dude, if you ski, I do not ski. Brian, I just do not ski. I'm six foot six. I have a higher center of gravity. I do not ski. Ziggy, I love the people in the hobby come from all places, backgrounds, careers, etc. I know friends that work at night watching breaks or buying online. Love the hobby. I love it too, man. I love it too. I, I love it. <laughs> Adam, out of the three major sports, which leagues cards bring the best ROI in your opinion? Well, I mean, if you would have asked me this a year ago and I would have been smart enough to say basketball, I would have been right. Nowadays, I think there's opportunities in all sports. And, you know, um, Ziggy, Ziggy, if you're out there on your on your uh, hobby content, your daily hobby content update, I see you say how many days until NHL, days till uh, NBA, days till MLB. I don't see a days till NHL. I'd love to see that there because hockey is one of the big one of the top four sports and cards, in my opinion. I mean, there's also there's also golf. There's also soccer and soccer could become number one in due course here, guys. But um, in my opinion, Adam, there's opportunities in all of them. You just have to know what to buy. And, you know, if you've. You know, there's all there's there's always the overriding, the overriding important kind of direction to people. Collect what you like. If you like it, collect it. And you want to like to look at your cards. Very, very rarely will I buy a card that I don't like the looks of. But sometimes you kind of have to buy a card you don't like the looks of. But most of the time, don't buy what you like. But along with that, if you are looking to invest, you just have to be experienced enough, knowledgeable enough, and have the insight to find the opportunities within the sports, within the cards that you are interested in. I'm going to use this as a, as a, just a second. I was mentioning to Chris from House of Jordans the other day, just in a private message that, you know, I've got kind of a hot take right now on a bit, a bit about kind of what's going on in the hobby and, and in particular, like right now, right now, just before all these sports are about to start up again, Hopefully, you know, we're seeing values through the roof on almost every player that has potential across all these sports, right? It, it, it's, it's rampant. And in my experience, this is my hot take, in my experience of following the market, and I've been doing it, you know, very closely every year, almost all four sports each year, going back, I don't know, since, since I got eBay, I got eBay in 1999. <laughs> so I've been watching this very closely and my hot take is that right now people are doing a lot of buying. I mean, there's obviously a seller to match every buyer, but these values are to me right now are a little bit higher than they're going to be later because what, what I, what I see happen year over year, it also happens leading to the playoffs for the teams that are expected to run well in the playoffs is that the, the key players on on those teams. And just right now, the key players on every team, because every team seems to have potential they're selling at a bit of a high because there's this expectation built in for what's about to come, right? Like wrapping up the, the season that got cut off and ramping up the next season as it starts. All these cards are super, are they're, they're a bit inflated on hope and potential. And what happens every single year is as soon as that season starts and some players don't live up to their expectation and guarantee you some will, some teams don't live up to their expectations. Maybe they go on a, you know, they start the season 0 and 8 or whatever, the 2 and 5, and they're supposed to start at 5 and 2 type of thing. The values of those cards, they don't last. They come down. So if you're out there investing in cards right now with the intention of flipping them when these players get hot in the season, I don't know what the odds are exactly, but it's probably somewhere, you know, you've probably got like a, 33% chance of hitting. If you know, if you're buying guys that are supposed to be great, mo several of them will be, but they're not all going to be, especially those like B B tier type of prospects on, on teams. And I'm talking about every sport here. So 
my prediction is that overall car not not the guys that come out and and just you know exceeding expectations or even meeting them might not be enough but for the guys that come out and they do not blow us away their cards might come down now not guys like lebron james who's expected to win it all with the lakers this year or you know a lot of people think he will but the guys that are you know just not on championship caliber teams right now um you know and if lebron doesn't win this year you're gonna see i think you're gonna see things kind of level out a little bit you know barring the potential that there is this new wave of a a huge wave of investors that are going to come in and just like raise everything up not just like raise the floor if the floor is being raised then you know we have to adjust accordingly but without the floor being raised that's kind of my hot take is that uh, right now we're also hopeful for so many different players that they're not all going to have great starts to the season and you're going to have some better buying opportunities on the guys that come out cold. And a lot of guys notoriously start the season cold and then they ramp up midway or towards the end or they're waiting for the playoffs. So, you know, those are guys you can always kind of, if, if you know that pattern, then you can maybe wait a bit longer to, to buy some of those cards. Um, I'm going to, speaking, this is something I want to show you guys as well. So the whole this whole thing with all these investors in the hobby right now and what the, what the market's doing. So I watch on, um, on YouTube, I watch a show called uh, the personal finance dad. And this guy uh, sounds like he's not really a card guy. His name of his channel is the personal finance dad, but he's all about cards mostly, but other collectibles too. And I actually have this queued up ready to go. So in this, he's basically talking about the whole collector investor dichotomy that we are all having fun talking about right now. And so I want to bring, I want to play this little clip for you guys because I love the way he ends. I love the way he ends this. Okay. And he's again, he's talking about what the, the video this is from was from July the 10th. It's called Investing in Mosaic and Optic Insert Basketball Cards. But this doesn't matter what the cards are. So let me just bring this up and uh, I'll bring it up for the whole screen here. So this is this is the guy's channel. This is the gentleman. I, I think his name is Chris. I'm not 100% sure. And if, if you're watching, Chris, I apologize. I think that's who you are. Anyway, I'm going to hit play right now. We're at the 751 mark. We're going to listen for about 30 seconds, okay? So check this. Just listen to this. And it really gets important at about the 8-minute and 4-second mark. So here we go. Like, And then, you know, the other factor is, is from the collector standpoint, I just love mosaic, the look of mosaic cards, and I love optics as a set. So this is something where it kind of kills two birds with one stone. It's for the, for the collector side, I love how the cards look. I mean, they're beautiful cards. You know, you know, these, these, these stargazers, stargazing, stargazing cards, cards. Um, and then the and mosaic, mosaic cards, cards they're, they're just all just great looking. So, so now if you're just a, you know, if you're 100% investor, you don't really care what cards look like, and I can understand maybe that's not important to you. But for me, if I'm sitting on these for five years, let's just say, I kind of like to be able to look at them and say like, yeah, that's a pretty cool card. So, so I hope you guys could hear that. I think you can. So my, the, the whole purpose of that, clip and why I wanted to show it is because at the end of it, he says, you know, if, if I'm holding cards, a card for five or six years, you know, at the end of the day, I want to look at this card and say, that's a cool card. I like to own it. And that's what I think. That's why I think, you know, to the extent that we've got all these so-called investors coming in. And I mean, I know a few myself, I'm sure all of us know a couple of these people, 
But all these investors coming in there that have really raised the floor, it seems like on a lot of cards, um, a lot of them, I think, are going to be genuine collectors. They're not just going to be investors because they're going to grow to love these cards just like we do. And, you know, at the end there, his little the way his face went and he got all excited thinking, you know, hey, I want to love these cards at the end of the day, like just like you and I do. All of you guys watching, we love our cards, right? So I think that we're going to see with all these investors coming in, we're going to see uh, it's not just I don't think we're just in the middle of a of a like a temporary sort of uh, effect here. I think I think we're going to see a bit of a perm permanent increase in the floor, a raising of the floor. And uh, they won't all stick around, but many of them will because they'll see how great this is and how much fun it is. Um, you know, similar to the Tops Project 2020 uh, thing where you've got these 20 artists that all have, they're all influential in their own right. Uh, they all have several followers on their social media. And, um, you know, it just uh, by the, it's just a numbers game, right? If, if, they, if there's 2 million followers for all these people all together and they're buying these sports cards because their artists drew them, the artists that they follow and collect drew them, some of these people are going to become collectors. That's what I think. And I think the same thing can be said for these this new group of investors that we're seeing. I think some of them are going to be uh, more permanent. All right, guys. So let me keep on going. And I must say, I've lost track of where I was. Oh, there we go. I found it. Good, 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 good. Okay. Anonymous Facebook user. I'm going to take this off the stream here. If you're watching on Facebook and you haven't gone to StreamYard dot com slash Facebook and click that big blue button. Please do that. It'll make it much more enjoyable to interact with you because I will have an idea of who you are. But for the sake of keeping on going, do I think vintage hockey could ever take off? I feel like it doesn't get enough attention. I think it's starting to. I, th I think, you know, a rising wave tide, a rising tide. I don't know what that, how that cliche goes, but everything is going up right now. And I, you know, vintage in terms of the key cards, I do believe are going up in value. Maybe the more the common cards from you know the pre-war stuff, the, the the players that aren't Hall of Famers, maybe not as much. Ziggy, as one of my biggest fans, thank you so much. Can I suggest you make little clips of your interviews and post? I know it's time consuming, but you have the best info and I think people would consume smaller bites. And Ziggy, I, I know you're right about the, the people consume it in smaller bites. I completely agree. I tried it for a couple of videos, man. I just don't have the time. I've got I've got two young kids, like one and three and a full-time job uh, and this show now. Um, I just don't have the time, man. I wish I could. And if anybody out there wants to help me do that, I definitely welcome some assistance with it, but I, I just can't, man. And as much as I would love to, because I know it would drive up my viewership, drive up the subscribership. You know, I'm running two hours almost minimum for my episodes and the sweet spot is 20 minutes. I'm well aware of that. I just can't do it. <laughs> can't do it. Um, Josh killed the Beckett boards. I love Beckett. Yeah, I love the Beckett boards too back in the day. Scott says, you remain very neutral when it comes to card providers for obvious reasons. But if you can, if you can, what is your number one issue with any of the major card providers in recent years? My number one issue, and it's come up on several episodes, is that we don't have an archive for patches so that we can make sure they're authentic. I think the fake patch issue is... Uh, a big problem for the hobby. Um, I know people that have stopped collecting RPAs because of it, but what Grant Sandground did point out to me was that, 
you know, what's going on now is a lot of these cards are being captured by vid on video uh, by by breakers. So, you know, there's I think there's additional value now. If you're a guy who buys into into group breaks and you hit a big card, you need to make sure that you save that video somewhere so that you can show that card getting pulled, especially if it's a sick patch. Um, that's really going to become, I think, important. It's, it, to me, it's very similar to photo matching a jersey. You know, you search and search for the picture of that jersey where you see those same scuff marks. And then that travels with the COA and with the jersey for the rest of its existence. I could see that happening for cards where the breakers are becoming very important in terms of documenting the origin of certain cards. That might be our best bet if the economics don't allow for the card companies to do it. Great question, Scott. Thank you. And if anything else comes into my mind, I'll 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 come out with it. I'll I'll mention it. I should have a female sports card collector on. Um, okay, noted. Let's get that happening for sure. Brian Price said, "Sport sports cards live, genius idea. The shows keep getting better and better. We all thank you." Well, Dr. Brian Price, I sincerely uh, appreciate that compliment, uh, especially the getting better and better thing, because um. I'll tell you, it's a, it's a lot of energy and I'm, I, I'm having a blast with it. I just hope that I'm continuing to deliver great guests and great insights. Ziggy, I love the story of you taking the patch pictures. Remember in your Panini interview, I offered a volunteer to take pictures of NTRPA and your guest said, yes, help me connect with him. Um, okay, well, reach out to him. That was Chris Barr from Panini, but Ziggy, we can talk about that more later. You saw star Steve Grout on Pawn Stars. And we'll always remember sports cards live now when I watch Pawn Stars. So damn cool. I got to say the same thing. Like uh, Steve's a great, he, he's, Steve's a great guy. Super nice guy. Uh, wonderful guy. Uh, a great friend. And, um, and seeing whenever I watch Pawn Stars, I hope he's on because it's just always fun watching and saying, hey, I know, that's my buddy. It's kind of cool. Darcy says, how did you get the nickname, the Godfather of Cards? <laughs> that's not my nickname, Darcy. That's not my nickname. <laughs> I, unless you're not talking to me, but that's certainly not my nickname. Uh, Dave says, Jeremy, do you miss the old Beckett boards? Uh, the buy, sell, trade. I know I do, even though I keep in contact with the chat. Uh, I do not miss them uh, at all. I can just very simply know I do not miss them. I've, there's so much that's replaced it. I mean, Hobby Insider filled that gap from 2003 until still today, but we also have Instagram and Facebook and I'm, I'm very active on both and I enjoy both quite a lot. So no, I don't miss the Beckett boards at all. And I never use their, um, well, the buy, sell, trade sub forums or what have you. Uh, no, I don't miss those. There's many, many more uh, better options out there now in terms of um, being able to transact and, and uh, communicate and, and build community in the hobby. Isaiah says, how much money approximately do you think you've spent over the years on cards? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a lot. Over six figures. I'll leave it at that. How much higher? I don't know. I don't think I'm at seven, though. Uh, Darcy, what's up? Ziggy, when did you buy your first card on eBay? What other platforms do you use? I think you mentioned ComC. How do you snipe cards today? I use today, I use eBay a lot, ComC a lot. And uh, then everything else is sort of secondary to that, including like Hobby Insider message boards, um, Instagram, Facebook. A lot of it is, you know, card shows are are a big part of it. And just personal contacts now. You get your name out there enough, people come to you um, and you go to people when you have, people know what I collect for the most part, even though I showed earlier my, my, my vast array of sub PCs. Um, but uh, really that's, that's how I do it now. Uh, not bad. Okay. A little conversation there. Very nice guys. What is the most money you've ever spent on a single item? And do you still have it? Yeah. Big daddy. Cool. Um, 
Yeah. So the biggest card I ever bought was just back in January. It was my Michael Jordan Jambalaya. I had never spent that much money on a card before. Um, and after that, uh, gosh, I mean, I've owned five different Sidney Crosby Cup RPAs out of 99 over the years, but I sold them all for a lot more than I ever paid for them. Uh, I, I'm just going to stick with the Michael Jordan Jambalaya. Um, well into the five figures on that. And I do still have it. And um and I don't plan to move it. To me, it's a cornerstone card. I never want to sell my, you know, I have a Bobby Orr PSA 8 rookie, which is one of the fine, probably the best card in my whole collection. And uh, people often say, would you sell it? Like, what would it take to sell it? And, you know, the card's worth probably, I don't know right now, say 30,000 to say 35, maybe even 40,000 US dollars right now. Would I sell it for 50,000 US dollars? No, because when am I going to find another one? Would I sell for 60,000 US dollars? No, because I just have to go find another one. Would I sell for 70000 Probably not, because I I already have one. And if I go, am I going to find one? And when I do find one, is it going to now be worth 75000 I got to pay more. So no, I, I, I wouldn't, I'm just not, it's not for sale. Simple as that. 100000 US dollars, I'd maybe take the risk and go find another one. Uh, Josh, I remember this. I had a booth across from, yes, you had the booth across from Aaron. That was my first time setting up at a card show back in 2005 with, with Aaron or five or six. Have I ever bought a BVG seven and successfully crossed it over to PSA? I've done lots of crossovers in my time. I don't remember them all. Um, but I would say I, I probably have gone from BVG to PSA straight across and not, not skipped a beat. Um, other companies that I've I've crossed from over to PSA. Um, I've lost grade points on for sure. I've only otherwise tried it with, um, I've been straight with SGC and I've lost grades with the KSA, which is one of the Canadian grading companies. Uh, do I, can you discuss as a Jets fan what it was like when Solani was traded in the 90s for a guy like Oleg Tevardovsky? Man, it was heartbreaking. It was, uh, I was in Vancouver at the time when I found that out visiting a friend and I swear I cried. It was uh, the saddest, one of the saddest uh, days of my life as a sports fan. That's for sure. When will the MJs get into your inventory? Um, some have, some have moved into my inventory. A couple that I just realized some I bought early that I wasn't as um, in tune with the market and what was available for MJs. So there are a couple, but my favorites certainly aren't going anywhere. Let's see. What else do we got here? Do you think the hobby market has an opportunity for investors in the hobby? I feel as if the ho hockey market is the most undervalued market in the sports hobby world right now. I mean, it is. It's the most undervalued in the sports hobby world right now. That might be because it's the it's the least popular sport of the big four between football, baseball, basketball, and hockey. I believe hockey might be the, you know, it's got probably the most passionate collectors as far as real team and player collectors go. Um, not to say there aren't passionate collectors in the other sports. I, I completely understand that, but maybe just the, the amount of them it's all, or the ratio of passionate to more passerby collector is much, I think it's a lot higher in hockey. And yeah, I think that there is a lot of room. I think the sport is growing. The cards to me are the nicest cards in the hobby. I think, uh, most possibly by virtue of the fact that the, the, the uniforms are the nicest. They have the most colors. The, the patch cards are super nice. Upper Deck makes a beautiful card just in terms of design and the the, so the structure of their cards are really nice. I, I think they're a great quality uh, product. product. Um, as far as vintage goes, I mean, if you're buying the icons, you're not going to go wrong. And in my opinion, they are undervalued compared to the icons in other sports. 
but undervalued is like we're, it, it all comes down to supply and demand. We're all dealing with supply and demand. That that underlies everything that we're talking, everything that anyone talks about on any show on the internet right now about sports cards. Supply and demand underlies everything. So you have to really assess the demand for something before you can understand if it's undervalued or overvalued, in, in my opinion. And understanding the, the demand means paying attention to the hobby and, um, and, and seeing where people's attention and focus are. So um, good luck with, with your foray into investing in hockey. I think there is opportunity there. Tim says, Howard Chuck, one of my favorites when he was here in Buffalo. Yes, probably. Uh, he's the, he's my one biggest player collection I've ever put together. Like by far, he's my biggest, he's my biggest player collection. I don't collect every card of him. I don't, I've never felt the need to have every card of a player I collect. But um, I do collect him. My favorite player of all time is Timu Solani. He's my all-time favorite player. And uh, my card collection of him, I think, is 10 cards only, where my Howard Chuck is in the hundreds. So explain that. But it's just it just is what it is. Uh, can I see the Crosby or Ovechkin Future Watch Auto hitting the 10K price point in the future? Yes, I can on both of them. I certainly can. Doobie Collects. I'm looking to get into hockey cards. I'm torn between two modern players. If you had to pick one of the two, who would you buy, Elias Pettersson or Andrei Svechnikov? Man, um, I'm not sure. I know more about Pettersson because I'm on the West Coast. I see him play more than Svechnikov. Um, Svechnikov uh, plays in Carolina and is a smaller market team than Vancouver where Pettersson plays. I'd probably lean towards Pettersson. But, you know, both players have hope and potential right now. And I think if you're, you know, if you're, playing with your playing smart money one of them will probably be you know just the way the odds go it's a numbers game just like anything the way the numbers go one of these guys will probably be a superstar i don't know which one maybe petterson i'm sorry i'm not exactly i can't give you a, a really strong committed answer to that josh my dad bought me a 1960 tops mickey mantle psa3 i would die for that card yeah emotional attachment we all have different reasons for being emotionally attached to certain cards food for thought says paul two weeks ago they're four thousand dollars each. PSA, BGS, Crosby, Young Guns, McDavid, eleven six hundred. Okay, sorry, Paul. I'm not really sure what that what you're saying there, but I think you're just uh, quoting some prices. Alex says, "Who's a player that you've collected at some point over the years that you regret doing so?" I don't regret. I've only ever collected really Dale Howardchuck, Shane Doan, Timu Solani. Uh, Ron Francis and Jeremy Roenick. Those are the only hockey players that I've ever really collected where I collect more than just their rookie card. Um, but, you know, now that I've gotten really uh, heavily into inserts, um, I collect Wayne Gretzky, Sidney Crosby, Alexander Ovechkin. Um, you know, the important players that I like to watch play, I collect those guys. And I certainly don't regret any of them. Kyle, I remember buying a Cup RPA last year from me. You had a lot more to look through. I'm searching for a handful for my PC, any chance I can PM you, see if you have what I'm looking for. Yeah, of course, Kyle, of course you can. I'm gonna, here, I'll throw up on the ticker right now. Here's my Instagram, at jlee underscore cards. Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram, or you can also reach out to me on Twitter, uh, right there, sports cards, L-I-V-1, sports cards, L-I-V-1, or just look me up on um, on Facebook as well, uh, just under my name, Jeremy Lee. Josh, I sold the sealed wax box for 3K of the X the, of the EX that Jambalaya came from. Crazy product. Yeah, man. Crazy product. I'd love to open some of that. Have you ever been offered such an unaware, such an unaware, ridiculous deal at a show that you felt bad and turned it down or informed the seller of the real value? 
Um, I can't say that I've ever like had a steal just presented to me where I felt guilty about buying it. Um, so no, I don't think I have. Uh, it's happened elsewhere where I've, you know, I've met somebody somewhere through a local ad and bought a collection and found something in it. I once bought a collection. The guy had a, had a single blaster box of 15, 16 upper deck hockey. I think I gave him $20 for everything he had because there, it was just base. And I just felt bad that he came out to meet me, but he had this one blaster unopened. I opened up and the Connor McDavid young guns was in there. And I did not feel bad about that one. I didn't know what was in it when I bought it. Either did he. So that was a risk I took. It's so easy for time to pass by quickly without knowing when you're, when you're chatting cards. Ain't that the truth name? Time goes by. Already at the one hour mark, I feel like we're just starting. Oh my God, this could be the longest episode ever. Sorry, fellas. And ladies and gentlemen, I apologize. Austin, are you looking forward to the playoffs kicking off in August? How do you think it'll play out? Yes, I'm I'm certainly looking forward to there being in hockey, hockey being on all day long. I think it's gonna be awesome. How do I think it'll play out? I don't know. I just hope it plays out. I, I hope it plays out and that they keep COVID away. That's all I can hope for right now. Uh, Rich says he thought Grant thought Grant said the draft was in like like October fifth. Okay, good. I hope I hope it is. And so, what time is that? At? We're already twenty five minutes behind on your comments, guys. I'm talking. Yeah. <laughs> wow, Brian, you saw the cards, aren't they? You used to, you used to own them all, man. Yes, you did. And I'm uh, you. I can let you know as you probably. I hope you understand. They're in a good home and they're well loved. They are well loved. Those jumbo patches. So thank you again for creating them in the first place and really putting them out there from your personal collection of uh, and your inventory of, of game-worn jerseys. I certainly appreciate that. Uh, seeing how organized your PC is makes me sad. I have so many loose ends. Guess I should stop opening boxes. Yeah, I, you know, organizing your card collection to me is part of the hobby and it's part of the enjoyment of the hobby and I get a ton of enjoyment out of doing it. And I'm at a point now where I'm like basically done. My, my, hob, my cards are organized. Now when a card comes into my collection, I process it in. I do. I run through what I run through, and it becomes part of the collection. And uh, like that goes scanning it, you know, adding it to my folder, maybe sharing it on Instagram, um, <clears throat> enjoying it for a few days before it gets, you know, boxed up type of thing. Hobby Hotline. Thank you, Rich. For yes, I'm familiar with Hobby Hotline for sure. Great show. Yes, and I am aware that Ruzigi's array. I've I've watched and seen him call in. Definitely great show. Sorry, and thank you. Uh, LOL. We are in a fight. They are so full. They are so full patches. Okay. They are great patches. I will add NHL tomorrow. Thank you, Ziggy. In my opinion, hockey is the only sport that will crown a champion this fall. And I think we will be watching and talking hockey in September. I sure hope you're right. Colin says, how good was the virtual show? What a hidden gem and almost as fun as the real expo. Kudos to Steve Manzini's crew. Yeah, Colin, I do remember you from those kind of a dealer information sessions on the Thursdays leading up to it, the Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, the virtual expo was amazing. Um, I had a great show and I mean, I'll just, I'll just put it out there, guys. I've been setting up an expo. I haven't missed one since around late 05, early 06, uh, when I was fully set up and, uh, the virtual expo was my second best expo ever. And I've had some good expos like with big sales and lots of great buys. And, uh, this was just selling for me. I only acquired one card. I believe it was actually from you, Alex. And, um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. I mean, for it, it was it was great. 
and I think it'll just get better next time. I'm, I'm hoping we get to do it again. I, I mean, I'd love, I'd rather go to the expo in Toronto in November, but if we go virtual, I'm just as happy. Well, I'm not just as happy, but almost as happy because it was a great success for myself and I think a few other dealers as well. And um, so, yeah, it, it was great. And kudos to Steve for pulling it together so quickly and kudos for all the attendees and the vendors for being willing to take a risk on the first one. And I think it'll just get better and better. Brian, there seems to be a little retail hockey out there on shelves. What hockey product would you recommend to collect today and why? Ah, uh, man, I mean, like, I don't just buy boxes and open them to build sets. That's just not my style. Um, so for the current products, like, you know, I think most people will say, you know, if you're just looking to, to, to get rookie cards, you want the Upper Deck Series 1, Series 2. If you're looking for an autograph rookie card, maybe you want the SP Authentic. If you're looking for the top RPA, maybe you want the cup in hockey. You know, if you're looking to uh, to collect a set, you've got all sorts of options. You know, uh, Opeachy Platinum is a wonderful option, I think, also made by Upper Deck. If you like vintage memorabilia, you know, Leaf. Leaf pr provides, they, they produce and provide um, amazing vintage memorabilia-driven hockey products throughout the year uh check them out beautiful pieces so rich says you also have the you also have the answer of a small sample size i don't think this will affect hockey and hoops as much because they have had nearly full seasons and i recognize that i'm behind in terms of uh these comments like way behind so <laughs> we'll see how far we get here baseball is going to be very different football still up in the air as to the season okay okay Personal finance, that is Dustin. Thank you, Yamwax. Dustin, all right. So Dustin, if you happen to be watching now, we did show a clip from your uh, from your show back from June the uh, July the 10th. And um, I did, I actually sent him a message on Twitter to let him know I was going to be uh, sharing one of uh, a clip from his show. But um, <clears throat> thank you for clarifying that for me, Yamwax. I do appreciate that, Dustin. Good to know. Good episode. It's good to get to know the host. Thank you, Brian. Happy to share some insights about myself. I mean, I'm loving doing it and I'm loving having the guests but I'm a collector. Like I'm a collector just like everybody watching. And uh, you know, sometimes you do want to tell your story. So I appreciate the opportunity. Thoughts on compound interest in sports cards, flipping every three or six months. I don't, I don't approach it that way myself at all. Um, doesn't interest me flipping every three to three to six months. I don't have that short of an attention span and I'm not that quick, quick to the trigger. Really. I don't, uh, I will often buy cards with the intention of selling them and I wait too long and they'll go down in value by the time I get to sell them. That usually happens. And I always say, okay, you know, especially for hockey, it's the end of August, beginning of September, all that hope and potential starting to build up in the fans. Maybe I should sell these cards before the season starts. And I don't, the season starts and I wish I would have sold them a month ago. So, um, my thoughts on it in sports cards, I don't view sports card investing as a three to six month flip sort of thing. I know lots of people do. There's lots of content creators out there telling you what cards to buy to flip in the next one, two, three to six months. That's just not my approach. I'm a long-term investor when it comes to cards. I'm a collector and as a collector, it almost forces me to be a long-term investor and not a short-term investor. So when I buy a card, my intention is to hold it for the long term almost every time unless I buy it specifically to sell it because it's not personal. If I buy something for my personal collection, it's my personal collection. It's still an investment, but it's a personal collection that is not being sold. So maybe not the maybe not an answer you were hoping for, Zanu, but uh, hopefully some insight nonetheless. Austin, what are my thoughts on waiting a year or two to buy rookie cards of great players? I've noticed most hot rookies lose lots of value 
after six months, like Besser, Pedersen, Hart, et cetera. I mean, that's the, that's the, seems to be the, the, the biggest miss that collectors miss. I mean, if you're buying players in their rookie year, right out of the gate, when they're the hottest, you are going to lose money in the long run. Simple as that. It happens year after year after year. And I think Austin, that's why you're asking the question because you're noticed, you've noticed it too. And you're probably wondering, am I the only one who's noticed this? Why don't people talk about it? Well, it's the fact. And, and you know what? I mean, it, you're right. It happens every single year it, in hockey. Young guns are kind of the example for that. The young gun comes out, the best player, it's a hundred to $150 within two years. doesn't really matter who the player is unless they're the top of the top, like the Sidney Crosby's and the Connor McDavid's. Um, otherwise they come down to 60 to $70 for the guys who were 150 to $200 when they first came out every single year. All right. Name hard to balance life as a dad, hobbyist and having a full-time job. I stay up late to do my social media and website stuff. Maybe someone can volunteer to help you out. Yeah. Uh, that'd be great. I could probably use some help with clipping these things down to shorter versions. Um, but that's, you know, everything, everything else I think I have under control here. And I am enjoying the way I run these shows with guests. It's, it's a lot of, you know, like the comments, my notes, look, talking to the guests, talking to the crowd. Um, it's a lot of fun. Wax Museum Podcast. I'm also trying to track the big name basketball RPA, RPA patches now on my site. Yeah. And kudos to you. And I did that. I did that back in 2006, seven and eight for hockey, for the cup. I was tracking these things. And then it just, again, it just became too much to continue on with. And I kind of was, we're hoping that other people were taking over. And I think some have female sports card collector. I nominate acetate girl. All right. Hook me up with acetate girl. We'll get her on. Hopefully, uh, hopefully acetate girl is available at some point to uh, come on the show. Pick my wife. She loves the hobby and works at our local card shop. If I knew who you were, I could address you more directly, but you're an anonymous Facebook user right now. So please go to streamyard.com slash Facebook and click that big blue button. Steven, welcome to the show. I know I'm a little late. I'm about 20 minutes behind on comments, guys. JZ, a great example of making friends in the hobby by going to card shows and through online. I mean, Jay-Z is someone that I've known through uh, Hobby Insider message boards and meeting at the expo, and now we're bros. I mean, that's that's what it works. That's what it all comes down to, guys, is the, this community is awesome. Try and get out when we can more physically. Tim says, do you believe someone high profile like Gary V and his large interest in cards as an investment has led to the rise in value? He's gone all in on cards, and I have to imagine his legion of followers are riding the wave too. I think we're naive if we say that he has had no effect on the hobby, but I think we're equally equally naive if we think that he's the sole reason for the effect of the recent increase in values across the hobby. I think he's one of many uh, kind of cogs in the machine that are causing this to happen. Uh, I think an even bigger one is as of recently is just the fact that people are not able to spend their money on things they would otherwise spend them on like travel and gambling on sports and those sorts of things. And I think there's other things in play as well. Jay-Z, love the face-to-face -face card show action. Thanks, brother. Yeah, that was fun during the virtual and it's fun when we do this show. Billy says, when do you plan on signing that $100 million deal with Spotify? <laughs> um, I don't. I don't I don't think I have a deal coming with Spotify, but Spotify, we talked about stocks versus, uh, investing in stocks versus cards earlier. Spotify is one company that I bought some shares in a year ago and uh, they're like seven X right now. So that's pretty decent. The, and I can say I, I've picked the odd stock over my life. I've lost every single one pretty much, but this is the one winner I've got. 
Brian says, hey, Jeremy, glad I can finally listen live again. What's the best ROI you've ever received on a card? Well, good question. I've had a few big winners, real big winners. Um, the biggest one is probably I had a Bo Jackson 1986 Topps Tiffany PSA 10 card that I bought at the Cleveland National in 2009. And I think I paid... I think I paid $60 for it and I sold it a couple years ago for $3,500 USD, both, both USD. So 60 bucks to 3,500 USD. Um, that's probably my biggest ROI. I spoke earlier on the episode. I sold my childhood Mario Lemieux rookie. That was a PSA eight. I think I sold it for uh, $525 and I paid 25 cents for it from the local card shop in 1986 in Winnipeg. So that's probably the largest ROI when you go from 25 cents to $525. But you know, that Bo Jackson was pretty big too. Jay-Z highest crossover I ever had was BVG to PSA was one full point. Back to the grading, crossing over, grading crossovers. Great cross, crossing over from one grading company to another, I think it's risky for many reasons, whether you take the card out first or you leave it in. Um, you're, you have different risks associated with, with each of those approaches. Uh, it's not something I like to do and I'm becoming more open. I, I started out wanting uh, uniformity in my collection and because in 2008, I submitted a big chunk of my personal collection to PSA, uh, you know, in person at the national to grade and then I stuck with them, but I'm much more open now to uh, BVG, BGS and SGC in my collection. Jay-Z, lots of even crossovers and uh, loss of points for sure, for sure. Simon says Pedersen is better than Svechnikov, so I'm kind of leaning that way too. Brett, welcome to the show. Good evening, everyone. Really enjoying your continued insight and positivity into the hobby. Thank you, Brett. Question, favorite card you've picked up for less than $5 recently? Man, okay, so that's a, that's a good segue into something I want to share. So guys, do me a favor, slow down on the comments for one sec if you can, because I'm at, an I'm at a comment from 15 minutes ago. I'm going to tell you guys a quick story. I have a local ad where I buy cards and I get calls from people. I got a call. This is only about two weeks ago. I got a call. I went and met the guy at his house in the south end of the city. And um, he had three big cardboard boxes filled with, you know, 400 count boxes, a couple shoe boxes, some original packaging, cards and original packaging still. Anyway, there was a lot of base, a lot of junk. Uh, literally, I thought to myself, we saw it off a deal. I'll tell you, I paid the guy $180 and I took everything. He couldn't really, I said, you got to show me some value here. And he pulled out a few cards. He's like, well, this card's worth 60 bucks. And well, no, it's worth five now. And this autograph, this baseball prospect autograph from 2013, well, this was worth $80. I look it up, dude, it sells for $2 now. Like just, and I'm not, I wasn't being like, dude, it sells for $2. I'm like, I don't really see the value here. But I drove out there and I thought, okay, I'll take a shot. So <clears throat> I get home, I go through it before dinner. I pull out any card I think is worth, you know, a dollar or more. And I, I take a box filled with garbage, literally garbage. And I take it out to the back alley, put it in the, in the dumpster and uh, the recycler, the garbage, you know what I mean? And then I take two, two huge monster boxes filled with base. And I just put it in my furnace room because I'm going to move those to my bulk base buyer eventually. So um, I've got these, some cards sitting on my desk. And I'm going through them. I'm like, oh man, I don't know. Am I going to get my $180, $180 back? Or did I just pay this guy $180 to haul off his garbage? Well, I, I'm going through it. I get called up for dinner. I go up for dinner. I'm kind of like in a bad mood. I'm like, man, I just wait. I just blew 180 bucks. I drove out there. This guy got me good. I come back down after dinner and I'm kind of going through. And there's like typical story, but I swear to God, there was one 
there, there were like a few cards left. And I see this one card sitting that I pulled out without really noticing what it was. I'm holding it in my hands right now. And I, <clears throat> I pull it on. Like, oh, this might be something. This might be something. So I look it up and lo and behold, now it's nothing crazy guys, but this is a 2013 tops baseball, Mike Trout, but it's the green emerald version. And the light isn't really showing up on the camera right now because the light I have shining on me here, but this is a green emerald. It's actually very pretty. Uh, and in a PSA 10, they sell for like 300 US dollars. So I do think this will grade out a 10. I looked at it very closely, so I'm gonna grade it. Hopefully it comes back at 10. And the best thing is that I did find $180 worth of value in that box otherwise. I actually found about $250 worth. So I'll get my 250 for my 180, and then I'm gonna get this graded, and this is gonna tuck away very nicely into my personal collection as a kind of a free bonus card. And um, yeah, I can't wait for that. So Brett, to your question, this is my favorite card that I bought. I think I paid nothing for it. And uh, I consider I paid nothing for it. And it's definitely my favorite card that I recently bought for under $5. Oh, the population report. Okay, Paul, thank you for that comment. I'm not gonna go find it again, but uh, thank you. I wish I picked up on that earlier. Rich says, I did to a good person at 2019 National. Rich, I talked about the purchase in Dr. Jim's podcast, a dollar box we sold for 300. Yeah, Dr. Jim Beckett has a podcast. I will actually be a guest on his show coming up soon. And he's a guest, he's my guest on Wednesday on this show, guys. So be sure to, to tune in again for that. This coming Wednesday, we'll be back to the guest format and I will have Dr. James Beckett, the most iconic name in the hobby. I don't think, I can't think of anybody, any other name who's more iconic and I'm not counting the athletes. So don't say Michael Jordan. Scott says, I know you sold off a bunch of your Howard Chuck cards. I traded you a couple Letterman and wondered if you still had it. I am sure you don't recall the trade. Scott, I, I actually, I, I somewhat do recall that trade and yes, I still have it. I'm only missing one letter. Um, I'll show it guys. Why not? I'll show off a bit of my Howard Chuck collection just, uh, and my Howard Chuck. So here, let's do this. So this is my personal collection and here's my Howard Chuck collection. So I'm just gonna go to the other screen here and I have it divided into cup and other. So in my cup collection of Howard Chuck cards, this is them. I'll take the comment down and I'll just sort of scroll through here. So lots of one-on-one printing plates, lots of one-on-ones overall. Um, just, uh, I love these cards. I've hoarded a few of the cards from, from the cup in here. And so there's the H, you can see the H and there's the rest of them. I'm only missing the C. So if anyone out there knows where the C is from that set for a nine letter nameplate, I'm only missing one and I would love to find it. And to the Buffalo collector, check out these Buffalo Howard Chuck patches that I have. They are stellar, just stellar. Anyway, sorry guys, just thought I'd throw those up there quickly. Uh, RB, as a recent returner to the hobby, was hoping that you could give us some thoughts on buying hockey through Facebook. Where would you go to find vintage? Well, there's some great vintage hockey groups. They're basically called vintage hockey collector, vintage hockey collecting and memorabilia, that kind of thing. Just search on Facebook. Um, I'm not gonna find them for you right now, but if you wanna send me a message somewhere or even post a comment to this question, I will reply to you there and uh, give you some better specifics. Anonymous Facebook user and a brother of mine, love the show and what it brings to our hobby. Quick question. Okay, let's see, we'll get to that question when I see it. Sean Robb says, basketball has seen has seen a base card craze that has seen 1213 prism based LeBron James routinely sell for over $200. Could you ever see a widely available hockey base non-rookie catch fire like that? Man, I mean, 
Not right now. I don't see it. I don't see it in my head. I'm sure some people do and are probably stashing these things. But what I do see in terms of hockey baseball, hockey base cards are the, the what I would deem to be the important serially numbered ones. So like the Wayne Gretzky from 0506, the cup, um, the Wayne Gretzky from 0102 upper deck premier. Um, you know, those kinds of things where they are serially numbered, there may be the first set from that particular brand that ever came out. Um, those I can see, you know, I think as far as Wayne Gretzky goes, you know, any base card is, is decent, but if it's just, you know, if it's the, if it's just an unnumbered base card or even a numbered base card, that's over like say three ninety nine or something like that. I don't know how much value I see there in the future, but if once you, once you get into a BVG 9.5 or 10 slab or a PSA 10 slab, all of a sudden things can change and you might see more of these new collectors to the hobby buying some of these because they are very pleasing to the eye and they can be had relatively cheap versus some of the rarer rarer inserts and parallels not the best answer sean but it's all i can come up with right now michael LeBay says you said you're a flames fan thought you were a jets fan who are you who will you be cheering for so <clears throat> i spent the first 30 years of my life in winnipeg guys and i've been in calgary i'm 48 years old so i've been in calgary now for 18 years and uh I left Winnipeg after the first iteration of the Jets left. They moved down to Phoenix and are now the Arizona Coyotes. They left in 1996. I was heartbroken. I was at that very last game. It was on my birthday, actually. It was a sad day. Um, and uh, and so well, they left and it was like, okay, well, that sucks. We've got to find another team. So I tried Ottawa for a little bit as my team. I tried Vancouver Canucks for a little bit as my team. And it just didn't work for me. I didn't like any team, really. I was more of a player guy at that point. Then I moved to Calgary in 02 and uh and I was I remember it was like late late 03 I was watching a game with my buddies you know we were just sitting in my buddy's place we're watching the game and I forget who it was against but it was a Calgary Flames game and the Flames scored and I found myself doing yeah like I did one of those and I whoa what the hell is that where'd that come from I've, I've never been a Flames fan and I realized okay you know I'm following I'm into the local team now so I became a Flames fan and then they got the Stanley Cup final like the next year and that was amazing. Then they brought in Daryl Sutter and they brought in uh, Mika Kiprasov and they drafted John Phaneuf and, you know, and then, and then on and on. And so I'm a Flames fan first right now, but, you know, I have a Jets plate on the front of my car and I drive around Calgary all the time. I will be hoping for the Calgary Flames, but I don't expect them to win. I think the Jets will win. I think the Jets are better built for this. And then I will be fully supporting the Winnipeg Jets after that. But on an outside chance the Flames can win it, I'll be hoping for them. Ziggy says, at the Wax Museum podcast, I'd like to learn more about your RPA project. What podcast? Yes, Ziggy follows the hobby, everybody, very closely in terms of what's going on in content. Check out his channel. He does a weekly hobby content review. Channel name is Ziggy No, just like you see on the comment. A weekly hobby content review. Now he's doing a daily hobby happenings update among other videos throughout. Check it out. Um, and I, you know, I'm a fan of his as well as he's a fan of mine and, uh, Ziggy, I watch almost all your videos. They're nice and short, you know, they're a lot shorter than mine. So he's got a leg up on me there. Anonymous user says, do you think the recent explosion, I call it in the hobby since COVID has happened, do you think the hobby will cool down or stay even hotter post pandemic? I mean, I think it's going to cool down, but I don't think it's going to cool down to where it was before. I think we've, you know, everything is cyclical, right? So we see. You see ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. Right now we're seeing up, 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 up. So I think it's going to go, it's going up, up, up. I think it's going to come down a little bit, but that floor, we're, we have a new floor. I believe we have a new floor. And that new floor is supported by all these new collectors and investors who found the hobby 
by virtue of time on their hands and by virtue of the amazingness of a lot of these players, specifically the basketball guys, the Lucas and the Giannis's. I won't even say LeBron and Michael Jordan because they're obvious, but you know, it's these the excitement of these new players and the excellence that they and Zion Williamson, how can I forget him as well? I mean, even though he's only played like 30-something games, but I mean, I I think we have a new floor. So I think it's but I think it will come down a little bit and then it will level and then we'll see it go up again in time. Like we had this happen, not quite to this extent, but this happened back in I think it was 20 late 16, early 2017, there was another little a boom that happened and things settled right back down, but we didn't have that influx of new people to support it, which I do think we do have now. Ziggy asks, am I going to participate in the sports card investors free virtual conference starting on the 29th? I plan to definitely attend it. Will I, will I uh, participate as a vendor? I mean, I sent in a, the application form for that a long time ago and I haven't heard anything back, so I'm not sure why that is, but um, I would like to, for sure. I'm, I will play in any card show there is if I can, because I love, I love talking hobby. I love dealing with cards. I love, I love looking at cards, buying cards, selling cards. What I don't love, I'll tell you guys this, I don't like trading cards. Not, I mean, okay, we're talking about trading cards. I don't like trading. I find trading to be just, uh, I'm not good at it. Simple as that. I'd rather buy from you and then sell to someone else or sell to you and buy from someone else and just do it that way because I don't know why. I just, I think it takes up too much time. I know I'm in the minority there. I know people love, people love trading. They think it's the foundation of the hobby, just not what I love to do. And hey, we all have our own approach. Uh, I found almost all key players in every sport has been super hot since the start of the COVID outbreak. Yeah, and that's going to continue until they get back onto the ice or the field or the court. And some of these players don't live up to their expectations. You're going to see several of them kind of come back down to earth but are they going to, you know, and that whole floor, new floor uh, discussion, I don't really think it applies to, to this particular, what I'm talking about are the cards that are, you know, you know, are valuable because these are, these are great players with careers under their belts. I'm not talking about this year's rookies. Hey, Terry says, Hey, Jeremy, do you still have that Gretzky Opeachy PSA 8 OC? Yes, I do. Terry It's actually a PSA 8 MC, but Terry, yes, I do still have it. The price has probably gone up since I last quoted it though. I will let you know that. Uh, Scotty says, sorry, it was called Notable Nameplate. Yes, the Notable Nameplate. Exactly, yes, and thank you for that card. Key card for me, Scott, so thank you so much. All right. <laughs> is is this uh, is this Irving? In-N-Out, the best burger you've had? No, it's not the best burger, but I do love my In-N-Out burger. I don't like their fries. Their fries are garbage, but their burgers are delicious. Billy says, Amit and Jeremy changed my mind on hoarding Gretzky autographs in the pre-expo episode. I'm going to pick up a Gretzky Opeachy because it seems like an obvious hold after watching Sports Cards Live. You know, if that's the one effect this show has on the hobby is that people think that an Opeachy Gretzky is an important card for any collection. I don't care if you don't collect hockey. It's just like the Michael Jordan Fleer 86 rookie, which to me is the rookie and the only one I want. I don't like his star cards. I think they're ugly. I don't like his Nike card. It's oversized. Um, any other one, I don't consider a rookie card. I consider that to be the rookie card. And I think every collector, if you can afford it, you need to have a 1986 Fleer Michael Jordan rookie card in your collection because he is the ultimate goat of all sports. Of all sports. I mean, he's the goat of goats. I don't, you know, he, he just is. He's the goat of goats. He's the goat of marketing. He's the goat of athletics. He's he's the goat. So, yeah. But Wayne Gretzky, 
you know, is right under him in terms of importance worldwide, I, I believe, in terms of like, you know, dominating one sport and changing the game. I mean, this guy moved down to the United States to play in 1989 or whatever it was. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got eight new teams in the Southern United States. So um, not all of a sudden, but it all came, it, it's all linked to that. So yes, you need a Wayne Gretzky rookie card in your collection. If you're watching this, if you're a basketball collector, you need a Wayne Gretzky rookie card. Yamwax says, favorite non-hockey product from the last three years. My favorite non-hockey product from the last three years. Well, like I said before, I don't break a lot of current product. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know, man, I got to rack my brain. So let me put that on the back burner, Yamwax. And if I think of it, I will, I'll shout it out a little bit later. Boston Irv, with quarterback prices going bonkers, would you invest in lower tier QBs? or move on to other positions like wide receiver or running back. So I've seen some talk online about how, you know, quarterback, I think it was Gary V said, no, it wasn't Gary V. It was the Adam Lefko on the, on the Lefko show. He said quarterbacks are where it's at wide receivers and running backs. Their careers just don't last as long, especially running backs. The few guys do, you've got some iconic players, you know, you've got the Jim Browns, you've got the Walter Payton's, the Emmett Smith, the Barry Sanders, you know, the Jerry Rice, You've got some great guys, but even a guy like Randy Moss, who's known as one of the best wide receivers, wide receivers of all time. I don't know how much hobby love he gets, but that could have been an attitude issue as well. Um, I don't know that I would go to lower tier because to me, lower tier means not as good um, and maybe not worthy of, of holding, but it really depends. Collect what you like. And if you see opportunity that others don't, that's how you're going to get a leg up on your competition. And that's where you're going to find somebody. Like if you were buying... Patrick Mahomes, you know, a couple of years ago or when his, when his rookie cards first came out, well, you were a leg ahead of everybody else. And, you know, congratulations to you. Yes, Scott, I definitely still have it. Definitely. Still have, oh, Amit made it. Amit made it. Where do we go here? Yo, welcome, brother. Great to see you. Austin says, do you plan on keeping any cards to pass on to your kids in the future? I'm planning on doing that with some of mine. Um, passing on to my kids, maybe. Um, well, I mean, Maybe we'll see what they think. They're super, they're too young right now to even understand it, but down the road, if they like it, it's definitely going to be up to them or we'll just sell it when I'm, you know, when I'm on my, in my last days and months, if I, if I'm aware of that and uh, they'll be able to use the money to better their lives at that point in time. Sean, we still talk about you and my family here in DFW very highly to boot. I love when you guys talk to each other. I know I go through the comments, you guys are commenting to each other and I just sometimes pull it up and start reading it before I know what it's about. So, uh, but I'm glad to see you guys are having fun in the room. So thank you everybody for joining for sure. If you haven't subscribed, please do to the YouTube channel. I'd greatly appreciate it. Getting really close to 700 subscribers right now. <clears throat> Hi, my name is Jerry. Was wondering how much is a 1920 UDI exquisite? Uh, no idea, but I'm sorry. I don't know. Check eBay. Terry Fortin says, didn't you venture into the bar business? How did that work out or not? Yes, I did have a bar for a couple of years from, I think I sold it in 2000. Yes, in 2017, was in the business for four years. Did not work out well. Had two partners. One was great. One was not. And the one that was not, basically, I made sure we didn't make any money. So <clears throat> unfortunately, and he was our operating partner. <laughs> so no, I do, I do not like that business anymore. Not for me. I don't have the stomach for it. Zion has actually only played in 19 games. So, I mean, that just, that just proves the point. I think I said 34 or 30 something before, you know, 19 games is such a small sample, but from what I understand, this guy is the real deal. Um, and I haven't seen him play enough to formulate my own opinion, but from what I hear from people I trust, 
I mean, he's someone I'd consider buying a card because his cards could just go up and then you're left wanting. And if it's going to be an important card down the road, it's one of those like get it while you can type of thing. Otherwise, they just keep going up and eventually they're out of reach. Terry says, check out my slabs as a great alternative to eBay and Com C for great selling buying opportunity. Only 1% selling fee. I need to see some more hockey on there. It's mostly baseball, football. I'm not the kind of person really to go um, help uh, be the early adopter on something like that. Just because of time, I will stick with what is proven and work. I'm not saying they're not proven or up and coming and won't kill it eventually. If they do, if they run their business properly and they give the collectors what they need and they fill it, they fill a void and they provide a service that the others are not as good at or just do it a little bit differently. I'm sure that my slabs will be very successful. I have heard a lot about them. I'm interested. I'm just not going to be part of the beta type of thing on that. <clears throat> but Terry, great point. And, uh, you know, check it out, everybody. And I'm sure Ziggy has done an episode on it or two on his on his show. So he'll be able to you might see more insights from Ziggy than you will from me on that. Graded cards only. Trading cards is horrible. I can never make it work. I'm like, you rather sell and then buy. Yeah, same here. Much rather just buy, sell, and and leave the... I just don't have time for trades a lot of the time. At card shows, when someone wants to do a trade, I find that it just makes me lose out on discussions I can have with other collectors. I'm, it's too many moving parts in trades, I find. Order the... Oh, there, Rich. Or there's, there's what I was missing. Order the fries. Well done or crispy. Man, where were you in uh, March when I was in California <laughs> at uh in an out burger but i will definitely do that next time so i'm gonna give him another chance another chance buddy thank you for that suggestion amit says opichi gretzky is the goat never a bad card to have never a bad card to have guys never a bad card buy it you also need a mario lemieux rookie card and i've been talking about this since i think i started the show and at the time i had three psa nines in my inventory and I've sold them all. I don't have any more Mary Lemieux rookies to sell. I wish I did because um, great undervalued card, in my opinion. Yes, Gretzky brought hockey to LA. Go Kings, go. Well, I'm not a big fan of Drew Doughty because uh, he has a rivalry with uh, one of our best and my favorite players, uh, Matthew Kachuk, who I know if you're not in Calgary, you probably don't like him very much. But uh, I don't like Drew Doughty either. So, But anyway, hey, I love that you love your team and good luck and all the best to you. Alex says, I know you're not a soccer guy, but have have you touched soccer if you have touched talker a few times the last few months on the show. Have you added any to your PC or just inventory? Nothing's been added to my collection yet, but they have been added to my watch list and I'm doing some research on soccer now. Yeah, I think there's opportunity there. And I'm a kind of collector where I like cards more than I like the sport themselves. I prefer, I'm, I'm a card collector and a first and I'm a sports fan second. Now it didn't start that way but it worked out that way. I'm just more passionate about cards than I am about the sports themselves. And I, I, I happily admit that. I know it might be a, an unpopular position or opinion, but I don't care. I mean, that's just who I am and that's how I approach and that's what I love. So I'll tell you, and if you don't like it, well, great. I mean, you don't have to, we all have our own approach. Anyway, um, if a card is going to be important, I'm probably going to want it, whether it's, you know, whether it's a, any sport, really any sport. I don't, venture into the non-sport i don't have any pokemon or magic or Yu-Gi-Oh. that doesn't really interest me although in that collection i was talking about earlier where i got this trout card i got a whole box filled with fortnite cards and magic cards and some Yu-Gi-Oh. i don't think there's anything valuable there but i'm going to take it to mike over at eastridge and he'll have a look and let me know um so uh as far as soccer there alex nothing yet but hoping to add some soon 
Brett says, you mentioned processing your cards when you acquire them. Can you elaborate on some of your organizing habits? I enjoyed something simple like scanning your Howard Check PC. So yeah, when I get a new card, it comes, you know, the best to buy them online are watching it on your watch list as you're waiting for that, those last few minutes to count down when it's going to be the auction's over. Bidding, you know, I snipe. I only bid on cards Almost always only bid on cards in the last five seconds of the auction. I try and get in two seconds or less so that no one else knows I'm kind of on it. And I can just kind of, Hey, I come in and if I, if I lose, if I, if my snipe price isn't high enough and I don't get the card, I'm very rarely disappointed because I'm putting in the top price I'm willing to pay. And if I pay that much, I mean, wow. But I've put in, I've put in bids before on cards of like $700 where the card was sitting at 225 and I win that card for 285. And I'm like, oh, okay. I was willing to pay seven. I only paid two eighty-five. So I'm ahead of the game. I, I kind of won that card for a lot less than I uh, than I thought I would have to. So uh, that happens to me quite regularly. Um, and uh, but as far as processing them in, Brett, basically the card arrives. You know, you get your bubble mailer. That's anticipating the arrival of the card. That's a big part of the hobby. That's a big part of the fun. Getting home or or taking it to you to where you to your desk and taking that card and you know, the first thing I do is I, I scan it, I scan it in and I add it to my Dropbox where I have everything organized. I stop scanning backs. It's just too much. So I scan it, I put it and I, I, I name the file and I put it in my Dropbox folder where it belongs, whichever folder that is. And then I actually, I put a little sticker on the back. I have these little white Avery label stickers. They're just the real little ones. I put on the back and I put a number on it. And that number allows me to reference later on um, where I where I got that card. So it does, the number means nothing. It's an arbitrary number, but it uh, but it directs me to information that I need, so I know when, where, and where, where when I bought the card, who I got it from, most of the time, and what I paid. Most importantly, so that if I ever do move it, um, I know what I have into it. Um, and also, when you're just watching your card values appreciate over time, if you have cards that do appreciate, it's nice to see that uh, you know kind of what, being able to quickly reference what you got that card for. So I do that and then I usually let it sit on my desk for a few days and I just sort of enjoy it. I look at it every so often. I might even put it on a stand. I just have some plastic stands. I'll put them on there. I'll let it sit there, keep it out of reach of my kids for sure. And uh, and I'll watch it. I'll throw it up uh, back on the shelf up there somewhere. Those are some pro tops. Those four cards are tops Project 2020 cards that I had come in. And this Mike Trout was sitting on there before. Um, I'll sit, I'll put it up there and then eventually I will put it into the box that it goes in and uh and I guess that's it. And then I'll share it. I'll either share it on Instagram or on Facebook or on Hobby Insider. And uh, that's my that's my method of processing a card in, into my collection. Hello to you, sir, anonymous Facebook user. What was the bar called that you owned? Uh, I owned a bar in Calgary called The Trop, The Trop Bar and Grill in, in Marta Loop. <clears throat> that was the one. Uh, Austin says, do you feel you may be running out of people to interview in the near future? What are your plans if such a scenario is to arise? Hope this goes on as long as possible. Um, yes and no. Uh, yes and no. I feel that the almost the caliber of guests, not, I'm not insulting any future guests here, but I've had some pretty important hobby, important people on so far. And um, the great thing is that anyone I've had on has always says, oh, these other guys from my company should come on too, whether it's Panini Upper Deck, Leaf. I mean, they're all willing to to talk to their colleagues and say, "Hey, you should go on Jeremy's show." And and uh, so I don't think there it would take a long time to run out. 
But <clears throat> I mean, so I'm on tonight alone. I just, I didn't have a guest lined up and I just was almost, to be honest, I was just a little bit too lazy to find one. I was really looking forward to just not having to schedule the pre-session where we kind of get to know each other a little bit if I don't know them already and kind of take them through how the show is going to go. And uh, so it's been, and I'm having a lot of fun. I haven't shut up now for an hour and 38 minutes and I'm going to have to have a sip of my water. So pardon me. But um I mean, if uh, and I've got people volunteering to come on and I don't think uh, the caliber or the not the caliber, but the the amount of, of guests that I have on who are, you know, work for card companies or work for grading companies or work for work for all the companies in our hobby and industry that might run run out eventually. But uh, great collectors, I don't think will ever run out. So we'll get we'll keep going. Might not keep going at twice a week once COVID is over and we're not so much, we're not isolating so much anymore, but uh, for the most part, I plan to keep going guys. It's not showing my name. It's Irving with Indiana. And I figured it was you Irv. Uh, welcome Irving to the show. Mustache man. Check him out. Uh, Irving. I don't know if you're still, I think you still do breaks. I'm not on breakers TV or anything like that anymore, but uh, if you are shout it out, feel free, please. Any soccer guys to look out for. I mean, I'm only really aware of a few players. That's why I'm doing some research. Like, I know about Ronaldo and I know about uh, Mbappe seems to be all the rage right now. So these are the guys that I'm kind of looking to um, not looking to to purchase, but I'm starting with them as sort of anchors into and growing out from there. I haven't bought anything yet, but I'm looking. Uh, what was the bar called that I owned? It was called the Trop, the Trop Bar and Grill. Colin says, do you think the national is going to happen in December in Toronto area? There is 10 shows a month that aren't happening and it's killing the dealers and collectors. Um, no, I don't think the national is going to happen in December. I don't. Um, I just don't see it at this point. I don't think the Toronto Expo is going to happen in November, but the virtual expo likely will again. And I'm I'm so content with that. Um, and the fact that, you know, potential, it, it's killing the dealers and collectors. It's killing you that you can't get out and communicate. But as far as the dealers go, there's other ways to convert your cards into cash if that's what you need to do. And if you're not doing that, um, I'm not trying to be a jerk here, but that's on you. You need to get with the times a bit more. Maybe if I don't say you need, if you want to sell your cards and you're not able to, you got to embrace some technology, uh, get yourself some equipment and and just figure it out. There's and, and the way you figure it out is you it's simple. You go to YouTube and you search, how do I do fill in the blank? How do I do fill in that blank? And you'll find a video on it, whether it's using equipment or lives. How do you think I figured out how to do this? I'm no expert. I just Googled or searched on YouTube. How do you do this? And it was all laid out very easily. And, and here we go, up and running, right? Scott says, I haven't been in, that into watching hockey since Patrick Waugh retired. I think the only hockey I ever get excited emotional for is Olympics and World Juniors. Fair, man. I mean, I do love watching hockey, and I love going to the Flames games here locally or in other cities when I get to travel and go to games. But um, it's enjoyable. But I find if there's a card I want to buy that's ending during that game, my my eyes are going to come off the ice, and they're going to go to my phone so I can check out eBay. Yamwax says, Rich has had the top takes on both sports and fast food tonight. I love collecting though. Same here. Simon says, I like to snipe auctions too, but nowadays the prices end up too high to even snipe. Yeah. And I've been missing out more than I've been winning lately on my snipe uh, approach. So, but Hey, that is what it is. Hey, 
Jeremy, Jason Goff here. Jay, welcome, man. Hobby Heroes. Jason runs a Facebook group, everybody, called Hobby Heroes, where his purpose is to recognize the heroes in the hobby, being the collectors and how the, the generosity of collectors. Check it out if you are interested and if you are an honest and uh, really upstanding person in the hobby. He says, uh, truly great for the hobby. Appreciate your hard work. Which card you're currently hunting, high end or not? I'd love to get a, I don't, I don't have a Nathan McKinnon uh, SP Authentic Future Watch Auto in my collection. I wouldn't mind getting one. I might have missed the boat on those. They've bumped up in prices, but that's a card I don't have. I'm not hunting high and low for it. Cards, I'm, there's two kind of cards I need. I need the C from the Howard Chuck nameplate from the cup. And I need the Jonas Hiller one of one from the um, 1314 National Treasures Hockey patch, number patch parallel. Al says, do you think that the activity regarding 90s hockey cards on Instagram will help bring more collectors into the hobby and younger collectors? Prices are easier on the pocketbook. I think it will, Al. I think it will because on Instagram, we're seeing a lot of people following collectors that maybe collect outside of their own sort of, uh, you know, comfort zone. So, for example, I've got a lot of basketball collectors that follow me on Instagram. And, I mean, there's this one collector. He goes... His, his name on Instagram is, um, and he might be watching, is Cardboard underscore Chronicles, sorry, Cardboard underscore Chronicles 2. It's not Josh from the original Cardboard Chronicles, I don't think. Cardboard underscore Chronicles 2. And he's been showing cards on Instagram for the last week, basically saying, thanks to Jay Lee Cards, getting me into hockey cards. Look at these precious metal gems I'm picking up of hockey players for a fraction of the price that I'm picking them up in basketball. And now he's showing them on his Instagram to his hundreds of followers who are seeing it. And, you know, that's going to snowball. That's going to have an impact. And I, so I think, yes, it is going to have an impact. And we're going to see more appreciation, not just for 90s inserts, but inserts right up right up through till today. People are digging on rare inserts. I, <clears throat> I use a hashtag rare insert when I post one up on Instagram because I love rare inserts. Uh, if I like the looks of them and they're rare, I'm going to love them. Sean says, do you think NHL players participating in the Beijing and Milan Olympics could be a catalyst for increased global card sales? I do. I do, Sean. If the marketing departments and firms that are working with the NHL and the Olympics uh, do a great job, then I certainly do think that's possible. Thanks, Jeremy. On the processing info, do you keep a want list of any type? I do not have a want list, Brett. I never have kept one, uh, mostly because I don't work off a player checklist like I know you do and other player collectors do. So no, I, I, I don't. I shouldn't say never. If there's a set I'm collecting, then I have a list of cards I need for the most part. But oftentimes my list is what I don't have by looking at my Dropbox on my phone and saying, hey, okay, do I have number 133? Well, look, I got, I, I don't have it. I can say I have the other one, so I need that card. But that's pretty much my extent of organizing what I want or need. I do host breaks. Uh, this is uh, Irving. I do host breaks. Nothing on there at the moment, but... There you go, guys, www.monerasportscards.com. I do a little bit of everything in all sports. Irving is one of the original group breakers, like from the beginning of group breaking, guys. So check him out and just an awesome dude altogether. Uh, any particular card or cards where you said, I'll buy that later and then later become way more expensive than you thought? Yeah, yeah, one in particular. The uh, the Tom Brady, uh, is it is it, shoot, is it Bowman Chrome or Topps Chrome? The the Bowman, the Chrome Brady rookie. I mean, I was watching those every month 
a couple of years ago and they were selling for between like 12 and $1,600 US and I wanted one and I was waiting for, that's an easy card to tell if it's off center side to side. And I was waiting for one that was in a PSA 10 holder that was perfectly centered. And I just never bought one. When, when the ones came out that were centered, they were in the higher end of the range. I thought, oh, maybe I'll try and get one cheaper. And now they're like 8,000 bucks. So I missed out on that. You are welcome for the shout out, Irv. What is your favorite card asked you before, but said to ask you during a show? My favorite card that I own right now, and I mean, this this changes, right? This changes for sure. Here, let's bring it up. Let's bring up what come, what pops into my mind when you ask me that. So back to here, if I go to my, uh, it'll be in my inserts folder. So these are my hockey inserts that are not graded. And these are, for the most part, I'm gonna get these all graded one day. Um, so this is stuff that I've been kind of picking up over the last couple years and uh, you know, all sorts of different things in here. But my favorite of all these is this one right here. This is the, take it a second to come up. This is the 2012 Fleer Retro Precious Metal Gems Green, Wayne Gretzky. I just got this card like a month or six weeks ago. It was a buy it now on eBay. Um, and I made an offer and he luckily countered me and I had to just accept that offer because any longer and this card would have gotten snapped up for sure. I think I got it for a very good price and um, <clears throat> and uh, this would be my favorite card right now. But I, mean, it, I have so many cards that I love that, you know, this is my favorite right now because it's new to the collection and it's not necessarily going to be my favorite card, you know, a year from now or, or maybe even next month. But I'll go with that one for now. Thank you for asking. Brian says, I don't know if we will get to this, but do you think that athletes should take instruction on signing? Roberto Alomarvid could give lessons. Oh, more of it. Um, <clears throat> do I think they should take instruction? Yeah, I think they should be open to um, providing nicer renditions of their autograph and not just a, a scribble with like one angle to it type of thing like you see on some players. I wish we would see them take more pride in signing. However, I understand, especially the rookies, especially when they're signing stickers that, you know, I mean, they're sitting there signing thousands at a time. I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't think I could keep my signature nice that much. And I don't, if anyone asked me to, I'd probably tell them to go take a hike just like these guys probably do. But if, if they have the time to do it, then I'd like, you know, assuming they have the time, I'd like to see them put more care into producing a very nice autograph for sure. For sure. And I, and I, and I know that the, the guys at the card companies who have these, um, these rookie, uh, whatever they call them, the, the rookie signing sessions. I know that they ask these guys, you know, hey, people are buying these, you know, please sign your name as nice as you can. And some of these, some of them are even receptive to working on the autographs with the card company representative, re representatives, but some of them just don't, they just don't care. So guys like that, I'm, I'm less apt to want to collect just for that reason. Have you ever found a version of a card you didn't know you had when you were looking through your PC? Example from his Donner's Elite Uncut Die, Uncut Die Cut card. I can't remember if that happening to me, Scott, but I'll, I'll think if something pops on my head, I'll let you know for sure. Weird. My stream yard stopped working. Hope you hope it didn't for the rest of you. Sorry about that, Chris. Hope uh, you can get back on here. Uh, should work for you if you're on uh, YouTube for sure though, or if, or if not in the Facebook group, Brian says, do you think athletes should take pride in autos? Yes, I do. Oh, I must've missed that one. Thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Irving. You're welcome. My man, beauty PMG. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Favorite cards for me are often the ones that have memories or stories attached. Yes, Simon, I'm with you. You know, if, if, if 
maybe you got it from someone that you respect, like, or a great friend in the hobby or a player, or, you know, just you had to search high and low for this card, or you found it out of the, like a needle in a haystack, you know, for sure. That walk, clear the ice is awesome. I also got to see the EX again, so that was nice. Thank you, Scott. All right. Oh, and Chris says, yep, yeah, it's fixed now. Awesome. Good to hear. All right, guys. I'm at the bottom of the comments for the first time in an hour and 50 minutes. I can't believe we've been going this long already. That is ridiculous. That is crazy. Um, <clears throat> I do want to uh, point out one thing, guys. So on the episode with Grant Sandground just the other day, just back on Wednesday, we were talking about there was a viewer. And if this viewer is watching, I kind of want to apologize to a degree. Um, there was a viewer. We were talking about, you know, what's the thought process for Upper Deck when they change the structure of a product. For example, Black Diamond went from being a 24-pack uh, box to, I think, like a one-pack box type of thing, a, a hit-driven product. And my response was like, you know, they made the, they made that decision for business reasons. Uh, they were getting, they were learning from their distributors and from the breakers and the shops. It just wasn't selling as much as it was before. And it was it either needed to go altogether or have a complete revamp. And they decided to completely revamp it and, and keep the, the brand Black Diamond alive. And then I think I said something like, you know, and and this, this viewer was like, well, you know, it sucks for me. I can't afford the new Black Diamond. I said, well, too bad. I mean, find something else to collect. And I want to kind of say like, I was thinking about that that night and I felt bad about my response because, you know, I, I really what I'm what I what I want to say to that collector is basically like, I get it, man. You, you're collecting Black Diamond probably from inception until they change it like 12 or 15 years later. And it's your tradition. This is your hobby. This is your approach to the hobby. It's the one consistent thing you do every year. And all of a sudden they change it on you. And you're like devastated. Well, I get that. I, I I understand your feeling of like devastation or sadness or like, what am I going to do next? And so I just want to apologize for my comment last time where I was like, well, deal with it. You know, so, you know, on the one hand, you it's not it's obviously not up to you to be you, you can't change it. And if the new black diamond i'm speak this would apply to anything this don't i'm not just talking to this one person right now guys i'm talking to everybody who's watching that has maybe experienced something similar in the hobby where what you're collecting all of a sudden goes away we've seen it with you know like when when we go from licensee to licensee in the various sports and you go from multiple licensees to one licensee you lose brands that built up equity over the term of that license and now they're gone so you know, we saw it within the game hockey with uh, all the in the game products. They were just gone one time. And well, Leaf took over and carried along, carried over some of them, but they changed them the way they wanted to, even the formats. And I'm sure a lot of people were disappointed. The point is, is that number one, I understand that disappointment, you know, and you're not alone. Like, like so many collectors have gone through that before, but the, the, the silver lining, the upside in all of it to me is that, you know, first of all, love what you have you know enjoy the cards you've built you've got so many years of memories of building these collections these sets every year go back and look at them again you know maybe you already do so sorry if you do but if you don't go back and look at them again enjoy them maybe find a way to enjoy them even more like look at one binder a night look at one set a night whatever it is scan some of your favorite cards in so you can have them you can look at them on your phone or something like that but even more so it's an opportunity to find something new, find a new passion, find something else that you love to look at. And it's like a fresh start in the hobby for you. So while the disappointment is understandable, 
the devastation for some of us can be understandable. Like it's, we get it. Other collectors get it. Don't, I just, you know, just don't give up on the hobby, find something else. There's so many products out there that we, that you can get into. Uh, so find some of those and find something and embrace it and love it and love what you had from before still, if, if possible. So that's kind of, I just want to point out, I had that on my list of things I want to make sure I touched on because I did go to bed that night, kind of feeling bad for my initial response to that particular viewer. So if you're watching, I hope you are. Um, <clears throat> I just wanted to get that off my chest and uh, share that information with everybody. All right. When do you think card shows will come back? Small shows or big shows or overall? I mean, I, I'm banking on uh, next spring is kind of what I'm hoping for. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I don't, uh, I'm not a infectious disease specialist. I can't speak about when COVID is going to go away. I don't know what the government's policies are going to be going forward. Um, so I think that people are not going to want to go to card shows for quite some time. I think they're not going to want to go to crowded events for quite some time. So I'm looking to the spring, next spring, the spring expo in Toronto, hopefully, uh, the spring, uh, summit show in Edmonton. And then hopefully, and I, hopefully for all of these, but you know, then the national next year, uh, wherever, if it's in Chicago, I cannot wait, cannot wait to come there. I'll be there for sure. And we'll see many of you guys there, hopefully. So that's my thoughts on that. Story's the best for sure. Chris West says, any card you have that you think people would be surprised to know you own? It's a funny question, man. Um, I'm going to show you guys another folder from my, uh, from my personal collection here. So this is a folder I call miscellaneous because it's just got some weird stuff in it, okay? <clears throat> so here you go. I have two cards that still have the stick of gum on them. This is an inact. I think this is this is a uh, Dave Babbitt. The player doesn't even matter, but this is a Dave Babbitt card from 1982 with a stick of gum on it. And this is a uh, a 1984 Opeachy contest card or a, uh, a sweepstakes card with the gum still stuck on it. Of course, I have Amit Acharya's rookie card. This is a card I have. I'm, I'll just show you guys. This is a card I have where um, I bought this online a long time ago, and this is this patch here the joe thornton piece is a fake patch i know because i showed it off on hobby insider probably 11 years ago and someone said hey here's a copy of before it was doctored um a couple other cards i have in here this is a room key from the expo with Derek jeter on it uh this was a uh, this is a card that says h it's basically a logo card um it says it's got the eight this is a goalie pad card but it says hi so when i had hi someone sent me this card because it basically said hi right on it this is signed by Richard McWilliams, the founder of Upper Deck. This is a card with my name on it from in the game, but I want to show you guys this one. The, uh, oh, where'd it go? Right here, the Sea Monkeys card. This is an actual Sea Monkeys card. I believe it's, what product is this from? Allen and Ginter, Tops Allen and Ginter. So if you if you remember comic books from the 80s, you could get those Sea Monkeys on the back if you sent in for them. I always read those books back as a kid and uh, I think I got this from Amit, maybe. I got it. It was just a random card, not worth anything, but I thought it was funny and I wanted to have it. So, I mean, maybe that one. A um, couple sketch cards, Star Wars here. I got three cards um, that are, excuse me, signed uh, by Brian Gray. One says, thanks for your support. One says, redemption cards suck. And the other one says, BG for president. Carvin's card, uh, my buddy's son's card. I like the, the the scavenger hunts at the expo to get these Beckett plate cards. I, I like to get those when I can. I've got uh, the the Fat Packs card with Eric from Beckett Live Presents, his autograph card, a few others, more Beckett stuff. The the Mayor of Canada's card here, the Rich Barone autographed. And this is a card of, this is my card here. I'll show this one. This is at the Summit last year. 
where they let us take a picture of ourselves on a card. I have a few other cards of myself. You guys want to see those? They're in my, uh, I believe those ones are in my graded miscellaneous folder here. So I have some graded, only a few of them, only about eight cards here. Let uh, my internet speed up here. But one of these, uh, two of these, I think down here are cards that I had done at the PSA booth in uh, <clears throat> at the National where they would let you, uh, well, they make a card and slab it for you. So there you go. I've got a Joe Lewis card, Rocky Marciano. Uh, this What's this guy's name again? Um, Fluffy Silverstein or Huffy Silverstein, a wrestling card. Tony Hawk rookie card. And then I've got my three more of my cards. I'll show you guys these. These are pretty cool. These are, this was at the upper, this is from the upper deck booth back in 2014. Oh boy, I look a little bit younger there. Uh, and then I've also got uh, from the 2017 National, I got this one where it says uh, my name here. I'll just take this down. It says my name on the card, actually. They put your, your own name on it there. But then on the second one, I just got because my daughter was just born that year. So I got Bridget's daddy on this one. So that, those are pretty cool. I was happy to get those cards. Um, there, I don't know. There's a few. And then, of course, I, ha I have the Queen of England. This card is pretty cool, actually. This is from the 1952 Tops look and see set I, 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 it's known by vintage people but this set is just filled with um notable people throughout history and uh i thought this was a cool card it's a, it's a very strong grade in a psa 8 but i will tell you guys that this card i bought this card from pwcc probably three years ago and when they went through that whole trimming scandal last year i got an email from them saying that this card was part of that Car, part of a group of cards that is likely trimmed and if i want they'll give me my money back and i had three cards on that email that i got from them i sent them two but i decided i was keeping this one because i don't care if it's trimmed i love it and i want to keep it and i own it and um if i ever sell it i will share that story with the potential buyer I'll, of course i will integrity is super important in this hobby but uh, i don't plan to sell it so i kept it and maybe that's a card you wouldn't expect me to own <clears throat> Great. Okay. Cool question. Julian says, thanks for doing these chats. They've been fun to watch last week. Thank you for enjoying them. I, I'm. That's why I do them. That is why I do them. Brian says, I wish I, uh, sorry, I was there. You gave it to him, but you gave it to him straight. Damn. I wish I knew what we were talking about there. Also says that's the way. Oh, okay. That was the guy on the black diamond. That's right. That's the way you are. So people have want it sugarcoated. Don't ask Jeremy. Yeah, I mean, I try not to sugarcoat things, but uh, I've got my opinions and, you know, I don't, I'm not tied to any company here, just doing my thing. So hopefully I, uh, you know, continue to deliver it straight like that. And, you know, that's kind of the, the beauty of this is that I've said it before, there's really no rules. My only rules are, you know, be kind and courteous. Um, the show when I have guests on and especially guests who work for, say, card companies or grading companies that are often targets online, um, I do not want this to be a forum for complaints or asking where my redemption card is or why did this happen to me or that or I didn't get the hit and who can I call? This isn't a customer service department for any of these companies. This is simply a platform to share information and, and meet people behind the scenes. That's the coolest part of it is that we're getting to meet these people behind the scenes. So uh, anyway, I appreciate the comment. Jay, I love the old black diamond and collect the retro rookie insert. See, so you to make up for it, you found something to fill in that void. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. So good on you, Jason. Paul, another good show. Your passion for cards always comes through. Hey, man, I'm not going to argue with that. I certainly have passion for the cards. I love them. <clears throat> Rich says, 
That is with 2001 Donruss. When they came back, many collectors who had the 18-year run opened one box, realized the rookie cards as one per box, and no longer collected Donruss. Ended at that point. And Donruss ended. Yeah, I mean, you change things. Collectors are very loyal, and they're, they're regimented, right? We like what we like. We don't want too much change, yet we're always asking for change. We're always complaining. We always see complaints regularly about, you know, I see it regarding upper deck and hockey. It's the same stuff over and over again. Yet I see innovation every year. Almost in every set, I see them changing things up. I think people just don't open their eyes wide enough sometimes and understand that, you know, we are dealing with simply a two, a two and a half by three and a half inch canvas. That's like eight and a quarter square inches, you, you know, yet they've done what seems like an infinite amount of different things with that, with that little bit of real estate. Um, I'm always impressed with what they come up with. Uh, you know, I love these. I, lo I love when you have a die cut on something else with so die cut acetate on cardboard or die cut cardboard on acetate. Maybe there's some foil on there, like on the, the, the essential credentials or, I mean, the second to none in terms of card design, in my opinion, pardon me guys. <clears throat> I'm used to taking my sips of water when my guest is speaking. Chris says any idea when another digital show I'll be or nothing in, sorry, any idea when another digital show or nothing else in the pipeline that I'm aware of. Well, there is, as Ziggy mentioned earlier, there is the virtual show that's being run by uh, the gentleman who goes by Sports Card Investor. Um, and I believe what he's doing there is he's going to basically be hosting it basically on half the screen. And the other half is going to be wherever he's going around the world and visiting uh, the vendors. And they're going to show some cards for a certain amount of time. Very similar to what I did here on episode seven. I almost wonder if the, if the idea might have come from there and I don't care if it did. I'm happy if it did, but that's what I did in episode seven of sports cards live where we had like 10 guys in here and we went back and forth between them and showed cards and all those guys uh, managed to do some deals, which was awesome. We'll have to get another one of those episodes happening soon. Do you have any PSA set registry collection? Yeah, Ziggy. I've got lots of, I've, I've got probably, um, <clears throat> I've probably got about a hundred PSA set registries on the go, different sets in the registry on the go. Um, yeah, probably about a hundred. Uh, I don't really care about that as much as I did before. I've actually stopped collecting the biggest one, which is the hall of fame rookies in, in, in hockey. And I've kind of, uh, gotten rid of some and, and scaled back that collection to just the most important players. But yes, I do. I'm, I'm pretty active on that. Actually, Simon says all the sets that I used to collect are gone. So now I'm back in the hobby. I go back to those sets. I collect what I like and I, and I know and grew up collecting. Well, great, man. At least you have direction and focus. And the beautiful thing is that while you're collecting those things that you remember from when you were younger, maybe you're, what a lot of people do is they come back and they go after cards that they always pined for when they were younger. They can never find because they were so rare or they can never afford because they were out of their price range. Now you can, you can collect what you remember, but there's so many more options and there's so many beautiful cards out there that there's so many things you can do and supplement what you remember and go slow, you know, go slow because, you know, you will make mistakes along the way. If you're just getting back, you'll buy some things that you're, you're not going to love forever and you'll move. And it, it happens to, it happened to me when I got heavy into inserts a couple of years ago and I, you know, I bought, I've got probably 600 cards now from that in that sort of sub PC. And some of them are like, oh, okay, you know, I've kind of refined my taste now and I may be willing to let some of those go and take that money and put into things I like more. Uh, so, you know, I think the, 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 the personal collection 
it's a fluid entity, right? It's always changing and it, and there's really no borders. There's like the, the only constraints are the ones you put on it yourself. So you can, and you, we can change those constraints as collectors. There's nothing stopping you from doing it except your resources and your time, right? Your, your money and your time, where whatever you can focus on. So I think it's important to realize that don't, don't paint yourself in too tightly into a corner when it comes to collecting instead be open-minded um, and you know, like it comes back to all the time, collect what you like. If you see something you like, or you think you can, you, you think, oh, that looks interesting. What other players are in that set? Or that looks interesting. What did it look like in prior years when that when that insert set came out? What What's the evolution of this? Research it, ask people, ask people questions. Go on, Instagram is becoming such a great, a great platform for learning about new cards that you didn't know existed. I highly recommended getting an account on Instagram if you don't have one yet. And um, I use it just, I have two, one for personal, one just for cards and um, and one just for cards. I only follow card accounts. I want to go there. I want to look at cards. So, and there it is on the ticker right now, J Lee underscore cards. You can follow me on there. If I, if I, if you follow me and I see that and I look at your account and you are not a private account and you have cards in your account, I'm most likely going to follow you too, unless it's just like advertising for group breaks, which I probably won't follow. But if you're showing singles, I'm going to follow you. Brett says the structure of the hobby is constantly changing. My PC has hundreds of new cards released recently. Overwhelming. I've altered my approach. What I was just saying, adapted and realized that collecting isn't a race. Yeah, man, it's not a race. Although recently we've seen cards going up in value so much. I'm talking about like the investment caliber cards, not so much the player collector cards, but you know, the, the commodity cards, I'm seeing them go up a lot lately. So you kind of sometimes you want to get in before you think the card value might go up a lot. And we're seeing a lot of that going on right now. And I think people are going to, some people are going to lose because there's so much, so much of these values are, are built up on, on hope and potential for the upcoming season or the finish, the, the completion of the cutoff seasons that not all these players are going to come out and do what people are expecting. That Thornton patch is brutal. <clears throat> Don't remember which one that is. Oh, the fake patch. Yes, that was brutal. But, you know, I kept the card. To, so I know I have an example of a fake patch card in my collection and I can look at it and I can realize, yeah, you can't tell by looking at it. Like, but it's fake. I know for a fact it's fake. Uh, Brian, no, I do not have any interesting error cards. Error cards do not and never have interested me. Um, the Billy Ripigan, the, 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 the expletive card, um, interests me more because it's iconic in the hobby, but that's it. I don't, error cards never were my thing. Yamwax says, Jeremy, you're Jeremy, not a hockey follower, but your passion and insight has inspired me to create my first NHL related eBay save search. Cheers. Woo woo. I love it, man. Welcome to the, welcome to the hobby hockey side of things, man. You're going to find that the cards are beautiful and uh, the collectors are passionate. So welcome and um, you know, reach out, reach out anytime for sure. Chris says, I've been looking at a bunch of vintage historical cards recently, some cool stuff. Definitely. Barry from Com C, welcome to the show. What are your nightly dining spots during the expo? Well, the Thursday night we go to uh, Jack Astor's, where actually as part of the Hobby Insider message boards and the community there, we have a what we call the, the traditional pre-expo dinner on the Thursday night. And now that we have sports cards live going, you know, I'm extending the invitation to that dinner out to anybody who comes to the expo. The next time there's an expo, if you're still watching the show and you remember, um, you're going to be invited to come join us and meet meet a big crew, lots of people, passionate collectors, good fellas, um, 
come check it out for sure. And then Saturday, Friday night goes late, right? It goes till 10 o'clock. We go to the, we go to the keg. Usually me and some friends go to the keg for dinner. And then, uh, and then Saturday night is like usually something like Zets or something like that. All, all near the show. Simon says, crazy thing is that card is from 52 and she still is going strong. And she's still, I know, right? The Queen Elizabeth card. She's still going strong. And that card is like 60 years old. It's ridiculous. You know, being in Canada, she's the queen. You know, we're part of the Commonwealth, all that. So the card, she's been on our money for my whole life. So it's like, it was just a cool card. And I'm not giving it back. I don't care if it's trimmed. Uh, Chris says, Queen of England rookie card, almost as good as the Methuselah rookie card from the, from the Simpsons. No doubt, no doubt. I worked as a redemption manager for Upper Deck from 2008 to 2011. Okay, I, I don't think you're Irving, another Facebook, anonymous Facebook user, but thank you for uh, for the information. Hey, great job again, Jeremy. Missed the start, but enjoyed all I've seen as a teacher and now principal. I would really love to see card collecting get going again with kids. I often buy boxes of 90s, cheaper cards to open. Uh, sorry, didn't fish and finish. Open cards with kids to hopefully get them interested. What do you think is a good way to get kids into the hobby? Can seem really pricey to many. Okay, I have an answer for this. To this anonymous Facebook user, if I know you, I'm sorry, I don't recognize you by the Facebook username, but I have an answer for this, guys. And there, let me just start off by saying there's more kids in the hobby than you all think. I see it all the time. I see it on Instagram. I see it at card shows. And by kids, I'm talking about like 10 to 20 year olds. And I know, I know, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds, you're not kids, but you know, you're young, you're young compared to us, you know, 30s and 40 year olds and 50s and 60 year olds. But I'm seeing many, many, many more young people in the hobby. But as far as kids go, like by now when I'm saying kids, I mean like, you know, five years old to 13 year old type of kids. I've been doing this for so many years. I know lots of people do it because I've talked about it on Hobby Insider for probably a decade now. But, you know, when I when I when I get base cards, I give them away on, on Halloween. So now let me clarify. I also give away chocolate bars and candy, but every kid that comes gets some candy and they get some packs of cards. So I'm talking base cards where I take team bags and I put 10 cards in a team bag. And if a kid comes, hey, do you want some hockey cards? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, they always want them. And I give them to them. And I'm, I remember my house, my, my old house, I was known as the hockey card house at Halloween. Well, I was happy about that because I was getting cards out into the community. So that's just one small way that we can all get more kids into it. And now they're getting cards for free. And if some of them really take to it, well, maybe we've uh, helped to lengthen the life of this hobby, you know, past our generation. So I think it's important. But but do note that, you know, cards are cards. I, I'm finding that cards are just as cool to kids, to some kids nowadays, teenagers, as, you know, playing Fortnite is. So, I mean, they're, they're not, they're not, it's not a hobby that has been taken away from kids. So many people love to say that it's out of reach for kids. And, you know, it's, it's an adult hobby now. It's a business now. Well, it's, it's always been a business from the very beginning of cards. It's been a business one way or another, like get that straight, everybody. But secondly, you know, <clears throat> there are sets out there for kids that are affordable for kids or for people that don't have the means that the, that people who buy the high-end stuff do. And that's important to recognize instead of just always saying, oh, it's not for kids, it's not for kids. Well, in hockey, I can speak very, very clearly that, you know, there's MVP, there, there's OPG, there's a few others that don't come to mind because it's not the area that I collect strongly, but there are sets out there that are geared toward the set collector. People also say, and I think it was Sean Robb asked in a, qu a question on Facebook in the group when I posted this up that, you know, is the set, is the art of set 
is set collecting a lost art? Well, I think fewer and fewer people find it to be the approach they want to use to the hobby because there's so many other more fun, cooler approaches, in my opinion, my, my opinion, I say that from my head. Um, you know, I used to collect sets every year as a kid and I loved it. I loved it, but there were no other options. There was only one set a year. Now there's so many different things. So, you know, the beautiful thing about a collection is that you can design it however you want and you can create a set for yourself. It doesn't have to be a set as defined by the card company. You can say to yourself, I want the young gun of every player to play for the Boston Bruins. Well, now that's your set. That's what you're collecting. Or you can say, I want an autograph of every player who's scored 500 goals. Now that is the set you are collecting. You've now defined the set and you've got tons of options because they all have many different cards that you can choose from. So, you know, set collecting as far as a base set, getting one to 396 or one to 600, all those cards. Yeah, people aren't that into it anymore. It's fun for kids to do, I think, but I have no interest in that. I mean, if I'm collecting a set that's over 100 cards, those better be some fancy cards because otherwise I'm just not going to be interested in it. Hope that answers that, maybe provides some more information. What are some of your favorite inserts to collect from recent products? Great question. And I've got my eyes on like so many different um, inserts right now that I'm going to take a look at my insert collection and I will show, I will maybe show you, but I will definitely tell you. So, um, yeah, sure. Why not? Here, let's take a look here. So these are some, <clears throat> now they're not all maybe insert, but these rookie breakouts, these are rookie breakouts, right? These are, these are, um, rookie year acetate on cardboard cards that are from uh, upper deck series one and series two. And I think they're awesome. I also like the synergy. I like these weird synergy inserts as well as the synergy base cards, which are true base numbered to like 18, 19 or 20. I think those are great. This card here is from Opeachy Platinum. I got this in a, in a break. I rarely go in breaks, but I did. This is a Leon Dreisaitl. Um, what's this one called? The Orange Checkers out of 25. Uh, you know, this, this is a glow shift here. That's a cool card from Synergy. Very rare. These Synergy uh, metal cards are cool. Here's some um, <clears throat> rare Opeachy Platinum cards, a couple of Golden Treasures. Uh, some, uh, I don't want to show you those ones because I want to keep that to myself still, but if you caught it, good for you. Um, you know, I love these Rubies rookies from, from the Fleer products that came out. I think they're very underrated. These cards, I mean, never mind the player. I've got some players from different years, but these are rookie cards out of 50 that sell for a fraction of what a young gun sells for. And there's a fraction of them made super undervalued in my opinion. I love essential credentials from all the years. Um, you know, so the PMGs, here's a Gretzky out of 10, Jambalayas. Uh, there's another one of those Rubies card. I think that's a, oh, it's a Skybox, I think. Uh, you know, weird die cut cards are cool. These, oh man, the, the Fleer Retro inserts, the Hot Shots, the Intimidation Nation, the Noise Boys, uh, the Golden Touch. Like I love the Essential Credentials, Jambalayas, like I, Jambalayas, more essential, different years, like all sorts of great stuff. So. There you go. I like I like I like shiny, fancy, acetate die cut, uh, rare. I like rare. Like it's just it's much more fun, I believe, if it's rare. At least for me, I want the chase, right? Um, excuse me. Brian says, uh, can you elaborate on the PSA set registry? Are they graded as a set, Brian? 
I, I'm not going to take the time for that right now, man, uh, just because it's a lot, lot of explanation. But go to the PSA website and you'll see the registry and just go take a look for yourself. Do a bit of research and you'll see what it is. It's pretty awesome, actually. Chris West says there are more errors in that Fleer baseball set. Okay, errors. Yeah, not something I'm that interested in. But thank you know I'm, there's lots of errors, especially throughout like the, the the mid to late '80s and into the early '90s. No doubt, there's tons. <laughs> Rich knows Barry Barry Ma from Com C. Brett says recently I've enjoyed living vicariously through other collectors' collections. Social media has been huge for that. Makes me not yearn for some cards as much. Keeps me focused. Yeah, that's cool. It's sometimes. You know, let's face it, like we have, I know myself, I've got all these cards, they're they're locked away, they're in boxes, and I don't really look at them that often, but I do look at my my visual documentation of them, my, my Dropbox where I keep them, I can pull it off my phone anytime, look at my cards, and uh, I find I look at my cards digitally more than I do look at them in their physical form, and I think that's okay, you know, you don't want to pull them out all the time, you want to let them kind of sit there and uh, and just do be there, just do their thing, right? And um, but sometimes it's fun to pull them out as well. That's for sure. You can get a lot of cool stuff, a cool cheap stuff on ComC for 30 cents to a dollar per. Yeah, ComC is a great place to fill in sets. If you're a set collector, find inserts. Um, ComC is probably my favorite place to visit daily to look for cards. I mean, I do probably look at eBay more, but ComC is, um, it's different and it's great in its own way. Ziggy says, I'm going to give cards away for Halloween with candy too. Love the idea. Yeah, Ziggy, it, it's it's wonderful. Kids love it and uh, parents love it too. They do. I've had great success with that. Barry says, we were at Jack Astor's for the first time last fall expo. It was great to meet up with you and talk about the pro set Stanley Cup holograms. Yes, Barry, because I think you're the only one, that, you have the only one that's nicer than the one that I have. So congratulations on that. Maybe you'll sell it to me one day. Isaiah says, what do you think about the hate towards upper deck. I think a lot of it is unjust and that many collectors use them as a scapegoat for whatever reason. <clears throat> yeah, good question, Isaiah. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand what goes on in, in what goes on for the card companies. They don't understand the, the constraints they're under. They don't understand the contracts they have to adhere to. Uh, they don't understand the um, requirements of those contracts. They don't understand timelines. People don't, and by saying don't understand, it's like they should understand. They just can't understand, right? Unless these card companies come out and talk about it as they've been doing on my show. So if you watch my episode with Chris Barr, with Grant Sandground, with Billy Celio, even with Brian Price, with Brian Gray, you know, you're going to learn a little bit more about what goes into making a set and why you see redemptions, why you see sticker autographs, why you see release dates not being met, why you see players redemptions never being filled like there are reasons for these things so you know if you're an exclusive licensee and people want and believe and think that competition is important for the hobby you're gonna they need someone to complain about and that in hockey has always been upper deck but they can people complain about panini and basketball they complain about tops and baseball um you know so it, it happens everywhere and i think people oftentimes and you know take it the right way or the wrong way some people just like to hear themselves complain. You see it all the time. I've seen people refer to, you know, same crap over and over again. Well, it's not crap, man. You're just looking at the wrong stuff. Or if you think it's crap, that's good because I'm going to be able to buy it cheaper and I love it. Um, but people oftentimes, and it's just human nature, people often think that their opinion is, is fact. And people often also think that their assumption about how something works is how it works. And those people are just not aware enough 
to know that they're not considering all the factors at play. That's really what it comes down to. It really comes down to ignorance over everything. Is And ignorance is not a, an insult. Ignorance is a lack of information, not by your own fault. Maybe you could find it, but maybe it's just not available to you. And by that information not being available to you, you are, you are ignorant of that information. And you think that you have all the information and you don't. But you form your assumptions and your opinions on the information you have. It's all you have. So, of course, you do. And you then air your grievances online and the people that know the facts shake their head and think, oh, this guy just doesn't know what he's talking about a lot of the time. But if you are ragging on a card company because you don't like the looks of their product or you don't like the checklist, I think you have a, you have a reason to, to, to maybe voice your displeasure. But as soon as you start attacking the card company and the people at the company, you're out of line, in my opinion, and you're and you're really ignorant. Now, I'm sure there's cases where some of this is justified. There must be. I mean, they're all run by humans. Nobody's perfect. But in general, people are just like, they just like to hear themselves complain. And and at no fault of their own, they don't have complete information. Ziggy says, Isaiah, I have a huge respect for Upper Deck. They're a pioneer of modern cards and saved the hobby for junk from junk wax. I just wish Upper Deck has licenses for more products. Thank you, Ziggy. Or, Fair comment, Ziggy. You know, I, I love upper deck cards. I just do. I love the looks of them, the structure, the feel of them. I think they're they're well made. Um, do I like everything they put out? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do I like a lot of what they put out? Yeah. And do I collect a lot of their cards? Absolutely. Do I collect other companies' cards? Absolutely. Goodwin Champions and Alan and Ginter got my young daughter interested in the hobby, introduced to sport personalities and bonuses for the fun fringe inserts. Yeah, they're great products. Grant was very passionate about Goodwin on here on Wednesday. And um, Grand Sand Ground from Upper Deck. And uh, yeah, I mean, those are those are great things. Uh, a very quick story. I meant to tell that night. So <clears throat> back when Beanie Babies were all the rage, I got caught up in that a little bit. And I bought some Beanie Babies, but I always bought them with the intention of I'm going to have some kids. And I had this vision of a wall in my kid in my baby's room with a bunch of Lucite holders and Beanie Babies in them. And then I would teach them what all the different animals were with these Beanie Babies. And these would be their, their stuffies and they'd play with them and sleep with them. Well, guess what? I have a three-year-old daughter right now, and she's got a bookshelf, and three of those shelves are filled with Beanie Babies, okay? And she sleeps with a different one every night. She asks me what the name is, and I, I sell the tags on them. I open up. I tell her what the name is, and she plays with them, and I don't care what happens to the tags. I don't care what happens to the Beanie Babies. They're hers. She can enjoy them, and that's why, you know. Uh, so my point is, in, in products like Goodwin and Allen and Ginter, there's animal cards. There's space cards. There's food cards. All sorts of different things that can get anybody interested in cards, so Lots of opportunities to involve your kids if you want to, especially if you're trying to convince their your significant other that this is a great activity and something you can share with your with your family. <clears throat> All right, Paul says, Isaiah, I notice other sports have their haters. Yep, no doubt. Brett says it's not for kids, not for kids. Guess what? The cup isn't for some forty year olds either. But I enjoy watching it getting busted. Yeah. So what Brett's saying is that like exquisite and you know expensive products aren't for not everybody can afford a hundred dollars a pack or five hundred dollars a pack or seven grand a pack for like nt basketball right it's not for everybody not everybody has the same means that is for sure so but even people in their 40s who are in limited budgets can find a way to enjoy the hobby so this whole thing it's not for kids anymore i think that's from people who are just not a lot of those people who say that maybe don't have you know the money in the bank to buy what they want and they they just complain about it more than anything and that's fine i mean hey you know if uh, if that's how you want to get out your frustration I, uh, okay fine but you know i'd rather you didn't voice it on the hobby and, and try and bring the hobby down with it i just don't think that's fair 
Brett, watching breaks is like wax porn. I love that wax porn. <laughs> that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Isaiah says, I've seen a ton of hate towards Upper Deck on Facebook, especially when a new set comes out. Many people are concerned that there are too many rookie autos with all the new products releasing every year. So fair comment. There's, there is a glut of, of autographs for some rookies, but that's the only year you're going to see it. So over time, there won't be as many. Um, and, you know, the other thing is that we have to remember the card companies are for profit businesses. They are not here to, to give us charity. They are not in business to give out cards for free. They need to make a profit. They need to pay their rent. They need to pay their employees. They need to pay their vendors. They need to pay their license fees. They have a lot of overhead. They need to make a profit. They're not in this as a, they're not a not for profit endeavor. None of them are, they need to make a profit. So they need to fill their products and sell their products. And the real, you know, if you really want to turn it around the way I would turn around, I would say, well, listen, if you're buying products over and over again and getting autographs, you don't want who's the dummy, right? Who's the dummy. I'm not saying don't break product. I'm saying break it. If you can afford it, break it. If you love it, break it. If you get that thrill, but you know, the card companies need to fill their product and rookies are one of the key ways that they do that. Not every pack can have, a Michael Jordan auto, a Wayne Gretzky auto, a Tom Brady auto, right? They just can't. They need to have what they admittedly call filler. And filler are common player rookies and jerseys. So it just is what it is. If you don't, if you can't, you know, like like with the Black Diamond thing, I kind of get it, especially if you're dumping thousands of dollars into product and getting no-name autographs. But, you know, by, by dollar a thousand, you might realize that it might be time to quit if it's not working out for you. Brett says, and no joke, I've discovered Top Skate and Top's Bunt digital app. Super fun. I haven't spent a cent. There you go. Some more sort of cost-effective way to enjoy the hobby. Brian wants to see some more cards. Maybe soon. Maybe we're coming up on two and a half hours here, Brian. I don't want to, I don't know when to wrap this up. Like, there's no rules here. I don't know when to wrap this up, guys. Like, you're, we still got lots of people watching, lots of comments. So I'm going to keep going here. Uh, Rich says, Thank you for the fun chat. See you on Thursday when I watch the Dr. Jim podcast on replay. Awesome, Rich. Thank you for joining. Look forward to chatting with you. Brett says, Paul C. noted. Oh, yeah. Redemptions are a necessary evil. Evil. Yes, they are a necessary evil. It was a huge, tough job. Oh, you're the uh, the redemption fulfiller from Upper Dexter. I don't know who you are, I don't think. But, uh, but it was a tough job and was never easy. And I'm sure the pressure on you was huge. I mean, especially with people, you know, constantly complaining about it. And I, I don't think re redemptions are complaint worthy, but you know, you have to understand them. You have to understand why they're happening. And when you do, and you can sort of put yourself in the shoes of the company, you might, you might actually get a little bit more patient with it. Maybe Ziggy says, I've learned a lot on your show about the creation and I have a much deeper appreciation. Your show with Panini was my favorite. Learned so much about basketball products. Thank you, Ziggy. Grant Patterson, I agree with that. Watching this show has really made me appreciate Upper Deck so much more than I did previously. Well, you know, it's like I don't really have a I don't have a, a horse in that race, but except that I like their cards. I like hockey cards. They're the hockey licensee. So if I can help bring some more positivity to the hockey collecting segment of the of the of the greater hobby, then I'm happy about that. Re remember product releases is the business redemptions have to go in to make that release date. Yes, exactly. Ziggy says, look at this year's Goodwin. The price is amazing for the hobby and a great checklist. 
Alex says, love seeing the stuff in your collection. Do you own anything exquisite basketball? I do not own anything exquisite basketball. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> who wanted to see more cards? That was Brian. And now it comes up again with uh, with Alex. So I'll show you guys. I'm very proud of it. I love it. I'll show you guys my basketball collection. You want to see my basketball collection? I'll show you my basketball collection. So this is a collection that um, I've been collecting, you know, Hall of Fame rookies for as long as I can remember, but hockey mostly, but all sports. And uh, I'll show you my basketball collection, guys. So this is my basketball card collection. It consists of some key Hall of Fame rookies from Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Julius Irving, Larry John, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, David Robinson, who, by the way, seems to be like forgotten in the hobby, gets no love, no talk. I see no David Robinson collectors on Instagram. I, I, someone please tell me why he doesn't get any love. I mean, did Tim Duncan make him sort of somewhat ir irrelevant when Tim Duncan got there? Like, I, I don't get it. Uh, the Shaquille, this was a talk about ROI. I think I paid $60 for this card. And it now sells for like over almost $3,000. Some Michael Michael Jordan um, insert here. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal insert. Mar Jordans, Jordans. Kobe Bryant rookie. Um, you know, some some cards that I just absolutely love. Here's This is the most I've ever spent on a card right here. This Michael Jordan. Um, this Shaquille O'Neal card here. This card I bought at the National last year. I'll tell you guys, I got this card at the National last year. It's a PSA 6. But this is the PMG Red, like the original PMG set. I, I bought this card for <clears throat> I bought this card for like four thousand dollars, and a PSA five just sold last month for twelve thousand dollars. So, I mean, sometimes you spend a lot of money on a card, and it's a hard pill to swallow. And then a year later, it's worth almost triple what you paid. And you're like, well, job well done. This one right beside it, this Michael Jordan. I bought this card. I broke a record when I bought this card about two years ago. Uh, no, sorry, a year and a half ago. And now it's worth double what I paid again. So, you know, it just it just happens. And then down here, I've got, this is a great card here. This is the the, the Vince Carter uh, Topps Chrome Rookie Refractor in a PSA 10. Card I think I stole about a year ago. Kawhi Leonard rookie card. I bought this one at the National last year for $270. It now sells consistently for over $2,000. This Luca, I mean, I got this for 60 bucks. It's now $800. This Pascal Siakam, I bought this off of Carlos at the National last year for $40. It's like 700 bucks now. So anyway, that's my basketball collection. I love it. It's one of my favorite PCs within my PC. Anyway, there we go. Some, some cards to show from my personal collection. Now it seems to, okay, here we are. <clears throat> kind of lost myself in the in the comments here, but we are gaining viewers right now, guys. We're at the two hour 32 mark and we are gaining viewers. So why would I stop? All right, let's see what's next. Here we go. I'm going to drink some water while I'm finding where I left off. Here we go. Legion says, Ziggy, you, you can bet I pre-ordered a bunch of 800 US, 80 USD a box. Uh, Facebook. Yes. Oh, Grant is very passionate and he, and his vision in the hobby is awesome. Yeah. Grant is known as the Zen master. He's the develop, the, the director of product development for upper deck. And, you know, I know him a little bit for, from what I hear from people who know him a lot better. The guy is a hobby encyclopedia in his head and upper deck is lucky to have him. He worked for Beckett for several years and we're going to talk about my, one of my plans when I have Dr. James Beckett on my show on Wednesday is to talk about Grant with him. And first of all, I'll say hi to, to him for Grant as Grant asked me to. And just kind of like make that connection between that episode and this one. I think it's gonna be really cool. 
Ziggy says, I bought 99 after Jeremy's show. I bought at 99 after Jeremy's show. Amazing. It's at 110 now. Should be fun with my boys. I think he's talking about Goodwin there, right? Ziggy, I think you are. Rod says, thanks for the fact-based level-headed responses. This is missing from many, oh, I just lost that. Where'd it go? From many of the comments about this hobby. I think what you're getting at, Rod, is that there's so much content out there right now, especially on YouTube. And a lot of these guys, they're doing great jobs. Like their production is amazing. Uh, their their passion is, is is awesome. And the the one thing that I, and I'm not being critical, it's, it's just the approach is a short-term approach. And my approach is not a short-term approach. My I'm a long-term holder. If I buy a card for any amount of significant money, it's a long-term hold for me. I'm not buying it to flip it in a year or two. I'm just not. And if I see cards go up and then come down, maybe I should have sold, but I'm not really a seller of personal collection cards. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the hobby is going through a, an unprecedented time and it's going to be interesting to see where things, where things are looking back two years from now. It's going to be a very interesting case study and I'm sure I will not be alone in dissecting it, but a lot of the content we're seeing right now is based on what can I buy to flip the, the top five cards under $20 to buy right now. The intention of these videos is to buy them now and sell them in a few months. Again, not the approach you're going to see from me on this show ever, because I just, it's not my, where my head is at. I don't do, I don't do cards for a living. I do it for fun. And if I make some money along the way, it goes right back into the hobby right back into other cards. So Paul says, go, Paul, you're always wanting me to go for three hours. I think we're going to get there tonight. I think we are. Isaiah says, grandpa, yes, same here. The conversation with Billy and Grant completely changed my perspective towards upper deck. These are the guys working at these company and these companies guys, they're mostly collectors like us. They're collectors like us. So they know what we want. They're constrained by things. So I'm glad that you've been able to, to kind of peek behind the curtain Meet some of these people. They're awesome dudes. Again, come to the show. Come to the shows in Toronto, the, the expo. They're coming out for dinner with us. They're hanging out with us. They're just there walking around, and they're the guys making these sets, and they're awesome guys, all of them. Brian says, I was giving you the segue to let's see some cards. You did give it to me, and I someone else pointed it out, so I got to it. I love it. This show could be like Gilligan's Island. <laughs> I don't know if I get the right. I know Gilligan's Island. I'm not sure what you're getting at, but... Uh, I like seeing Gilligan's Island on here. That's for sure. Shows the goat. Nice baseball, nice basketball cards, bro. Thank you. I do love the Admiral, David Robinson, right? What happened to him? Robinson reminds me of how people forgot about Peter Forsberg. Yeah, right? I mean, like world-class players that people just don't talk about. I do not have any Anne Fernie Hardaway. Um, not a player that I ever really watched too closely. I was aware of him, and I mean, the... His mini guy there, mini penny or whatever he was, was was cool back in the day. But no, I never never followed his teams. I, I recognize that he was an, an an amazing player, and he's got big love in the hobby. But no, I don't have any of his stuff. David Robinson has a few big collectors. One of them is posting a retrospective collection and scans going year by year, one set at a time. Awesome, that's cool to know. I'd like to to follow that person. Wow, really sweet NBA stuff. Yes, I love my basketball cards. Love them. Grant says, Jeremy, do you know why Upper Deck stopped midnight release? I remember staying up until 12.01 for breaks. was so much fun and always wondered why they changed it. Grant, great question. That would have been a great question back on Wednesday for, for uh, Grant Sandground, who uh, you're often mistaken for in break rooms. But no, I do not know why they stopped that. <clears throat> Brett says, love the basketball PC. Thanks for sharing. My absolute, hey, I don't get a chance to share my cards and, and, and you know show them off a little bit. And 
enjoy them with fellow collectors. So that was that was a treat for me, guys. It certainly was. Thanks for the great show, Jeremy. I think a show like this every couple of weeks is a great idea. I got to get some sleep before the little one gets up. Okay, good night, Scott. Thanks for tuning in for so long. I do appreciate it. On Blowout, okay, I will check that out on Blowout for the David Robinson perspective. Thank you, Chris. Power Wheel says, do you have any Tom Brady RCs? Can you show them? I do. I have two Tom Brady RCs. They are not... Um, I, they're not the contenders or the SP Authentic, which I kind of wish they were, but I'll show my, this is my football collection. It consists of 12 cards, guys, 12 cards in my football collection. Here it is. I have a Johnny Unitas, a Jim Brown, a Fran Tarkenton, a Joe Namath, a Terry Bradshaw, a Walter Payton, a Joe Montana. And these are my, sorry, these are my two Tom Brady's. I've got the Ionics in a PSA 10 and the Black Diamond in a BGS 9.5. And I got three random Tom Brady uh, prism type of, uh, rare parallels that is my whole football card collection thank you for asking fun to show that one off all right peter says do you find saving your pc photos on your computer better than iphone photos or do you have them on the iphone as well so peter they are what you're when i'm showing my cards on my screen that i'm showing my dropbox if you're most people are familiar with Dropbox by now, but it's just a file sharing service. It's in the cloud and that's where I save all my cards to. And then I have the app on my phone and it's super quick to go into the app, go into my folder and see my cards. And it's really helpful at a card show, especially if you're working on a big set and you forget which cards you have or you, you already have and which cards you need, you can go flip through and see, oh yeah, missing that one. I'll take it type of thing. So it it works beautifully. I highly recommend it. Ziggy says, you can't replace experience. Jeremy's experience is amazing. You are a true resource to the hobby. Well, thank you, Ziggy. I have been doing this. I've been involved heavily in the hobby, really, since, um, you know, super heavy since 1991. But I've been collecting hardcore since 1982 and really in the hobby since 79 or 80. Ziggy says, give a thumbs up. Smash for Sports Cards Live. And Jeremy, spread the word. Can't wait for each show. Thank you, Ziggy. means a lot, especially from somebody who has got his finger on the pulse you got your, sorry, your thumb on the pulse of this hobby overall. So coming from you, that does mean something to me. Thank you so much. Legion Italia says, the sports clown here on YouTube had a magnificent video on sports card investing regarding the new gurus. Definitely worth a watch for the counterpoint and a dose of reality. The sports card in, sorry, the sports clown here on YouTube. So is that channel card, the sports, is the, sorry, Legion, is the channel you're referring to called the sports clown? Because if it is, I will make a note right now to check that out. I don't want to miss it if there's some great information. If it's not, if you're kind of calling somebody a clown, um, I guess that's cool too, but can you tell me what the actual name of the channel is? And I will check that out. <clears throat> name says Penny Hardaway was amazing. Big guard who could dribble pass and finish at the basket, underrated. Yeah, and I'm sure he was. Doesn't you know? And I'm not saying you're saying I should collect them at all. Name, I know you're not. But you know, just because somebody was great doesn't mean we have to collect everyone that was great. Um, but if someone is going to be an iconic Hall of Famer, my general rule is I want their rookie card. So no matter what the sport, uh, I was a collector before landing my dream job at Upper Deck. It was a dream come true, and the relationships I built will be lifelong. And you know, I'm noticing that as I interview uh, so many people from from the industry side of the hobby, they all know each other. They've worked together. They, they've, you know, a lot of guys came from Beckett and went to Panini and Upper Deck. A lot of guys went from Upper Deck to Leaf, you know, it, it, Beckett to in the game. Like you see it everywhere. Um, I can't speak as much to Tops because I just don't have as much involvement with Tops. But, um, but you see it. These guys, you know, so so you and and others, you guys are 
keeping in touch. And it's really awesome because it just tells me that we've got collectors or experienced industry veterans that are kind of still running the hobby from the industry side. So that's great. Any cool baseball stuff? All right, I'll show you guys my baseball collection. <clears throat> Why not, right? My graded baseball collection. So this one's going to, this is pretty wow worthy, guys. So um, I'm pretty proud of this. And I've been working on this for a long time. You're going to see some you see some big cards here, some very important cards. So um, we've still got viewers. I'm happy to show it. So this is my baseball card collection. And right away, you're like, whoa. Because I'm like, whoa, every time I see it. Like, um, I don't have the Honus Wagner T206, but as a sort of a replacement, I bought the American Caramel card, which is also from 1910. And this is a PSA 2, but, you know, hey, any card. This is a beautiful, this is the, the key Babe Ruth card from... Um, Sorry, am I on extra large? Yeah, this is the Key Babe Ruth card from the 33 Gaudi set. Joe DiMaggio rookie, Ted Williams. One of my, I just love the uh, the Pee Wee Reese rookie. He was such a gentleman. If you saw the Jackie Robinson movie, speaking of Jack, there's the, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm on the wrong screen as I'm saying this is the card. Meanwhile, my mouse is on the wrong screen. Jackie Robinson rookie, Warren Spawn, Yogi Berra, uh, Stan Musial, Roy Campanella, Satchel Paige. This is the, the, uh, my Mickey Mantle rookie that I spoke about earlier, and so on and so forth. I mean, I've got quite a bit. I slow down in the 70s, not much from the 70s, and then a little bit in the 80s, 90s, and the, and the 2000s. <clears throat> but uh, I, I love my baseball card collection. I'm very proud of it. It's been a lifelong project for the most part. Some of these I bought graded, some I had graded, and I've been picking them up, you know, really for the last 20 years. So uh, been a lot of work to, to build this uh, this piece of my collection there in my baseball cards. So yeah, I got some cool baseball stuff for sure. I do. Uh, great. Thank you, Peter. Yeah. The Dropbox is a great idea. Longtime collector brought me to your Facebook page and this is the first time watching live. Great job, Jeremy. Well, thank you. And you, so right now you're an anonymous Facebook user. If you're still here, that was only four minutes ago. So if you're still watching, I'm going to throw this up for you. Please go to streamyard.com slash Facebook and click the big blue button. That way, if you're watching on Facebook, It'll allow Facebook, it'll allow StreamYard to tell me your name. If you're watching on YouTube, I see your name automatically. But please do that. That would be great. And thank you for the compliment. And thank you for joining. And please do subscribe to the YouTube channel. I would greatly appreciate that. Alex says, it's clear you're a big time singles buyer, especially nowadays. But what's the biggest, best, favorite card that you've ever pulled out of a Packer box? Oh, man. I pulled a, a, a Sidney Crosby autographed buyback card from Black Diamond several years ago that was numbered out of three. That was really cool. It came in a sleeve. I pulled one of the, you know, I talked or I showed earlier these cards here, these jumbo uh, in the game ultimate emblems that I that I have. I I pulled the I pulled this one here, this Dion Phaneuf. I pulled that out. And these are in order of I, I purchased them. So I mean, what's that? Six. I had 10 cards already, and then I pulled one. At, uh, at Maple Leaf Sports here in Calgary out of one pack. I bought a pack and I pulled it and I was like, whoa, I got, that was on point. That was perfect. So that might be my favorite card, even though it's not such a, you know, he's not a great player anymore, but that was pretty exciting for me. Oh, but the biggest card I ever, I got was actually in a group break. I pulled, uh, I had a very slim chance uh, and I pulled a dual scripted swatches from the cup, uh, Connor McDavid, Wayne Gretzky, uh out of um out of was numbered out of 15 out of the cup and uh, i mean it wasn't something i needed or collected and i but i ended up selling it for like i don't know four thousand dollars or something like that that would have been my biggest pull ever out of a, a break a group break or a, a box break type of thing 
Yes, the sports clown is the channel name. Okay, good. I'm glad you weren't just calling someone a clown because uh, that does happen. But uh, okay, I'm going to check that out, man. Thank you. I'm always looking to add more uh, great content creators to my YouTube subscriptions list. I subscribe to probably 30 different channels on YouTube and I hope they all subscribe to mine. And again, if you're not subscri subscribing yet to Sports Cards Live on YouTube, please do. Even if you watch it on Facebook, the YouTube uh, subscriber count helps with things like growing the channel and, and growing the my message, I guess, and growing the knowledge and the hobby in general If I to, to the small little bit that I can help that. So please do subscribe. Uh, wow, nice baseball collection. Thank you. A lot of hard work, a lot of, a lot of focus on that. You think of getting someone from tops to talk baseball cards. I mean, thinking about it, yeah, I haven't made any strides towards it because I don't, from what I know, I don't know anybody at tops. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, thank you, Brian. I do have a great, I do, I, I have a decent collection. I can, I will say that I do. Uh, the Clemente is a PSA six, Brett. It's a PSA six. Carlos says, Great work on the baseball collection. Any plans on the 51 Bowman Maze? Carlos, my number one want lit. That's my number one card I'm looking for. And I've been looking for one for so long. And I want a PSA 6 to go with my Mickey Mantle PSA 6. And they're very expensive. And, oh, yeah, that's there. <laughs> Any plans, man? I've been looking for that card for years. I just haven't found the right copy. That card has a few common issues. You know his name in that little name bar in the bottom right quadrant of the card? You often find the fish eyes on that. I don't want any markings on, on the nameplate for that card. I also don't want that vertical line you see going through it sometimes. And I've seen one for sale. It's been over and over again. It's like a PSA 6 with that line through it. And um, I don't think it should be a 6. I don't, I don't like it. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely looking for that card, Carlos. You nailed it. That is my number one baseball card, maybe overall vintage card on my want list, you know, along with like a George Mikan and, um, you know, a Bronco Nagurski type of thing for football to, to round out the, the the Mount Rushmore there. Tell us something wise, old cards here. Man, I haven't shut up for uh, two hours and 47 minutes. <laughs> Orv says, hey, hey, I witnessed that. Yes, Jason, you were you were there when I got, when I pulled that McDavid. I'm sure everyone in the room was super jealous because, I mean, we're all in for like 25 bucks and you pull a card with thousands. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. I I definitely um, <clears throat> love that. And that, that the, there's a picture of, of me and some of the guys at the store that day. And that's my avatar on Hobby Insider is that picture. Paul, we are we are closing on, closing in on the, uh, we are closing in on the three hour, uh, three hour mark here for the show. Jeremy, my name is Ben Cobra. Okay, you hit the button. Ben, thank you for joining. Great to put a face to the to the messages and um, welcome to Sports Cards Live. It's great to have you. Tyler says, do you know who's opening the new card store on McLeod in Calgary? I think it's called Card Kings. Tyler, that's news to me, but uh, I work right off McLeod. So that's that's good news. I'll have to check that out. Chris, I, I did have a Ricky Henderson rookie at one point. I don't have one right now. And I'm a, I, you know what, Ricky Henderson was actually in 1991, guys. I was coming back from a year after high school in Australia, and I stopped off in Los Angeles to stay with a great uncle of mine for like a couple of days. And we went to a card shop in LA. I couldn't tell you what it was now. One of those old 80s card shops, though. And I bought a Ricky Henderson rookie there. That was probably one of the, you know, the first rookie baseball rookie i mean i bought i got a, I, got, I got my jose canseco and my will clark rookie and and a bunch of those you know before 1990 but but uh i i had a ricky henderson and i wouldn't mind grabbing one again uh it's a, it's a beautiful iconic important card in my opinion 
Carlos says, I'm a baseball guy first, so the omission doesn't miss my notice. All good. Colin says, sold that maze last week. What condition was that in, Colin? I'm looking for like a, a really nice five or a, I don't want an ugly six, but I'd, I'd even take a, a nice four, um, even a nice three, I suppose. Uh, but we'll wait. I'll wait for the right copy. I'm, I'm really no rush. A BVG four you sold. Yeah, probably a beautiful card. When you PC your vintage cards, is there a certain grade you're looking for? I mean, Peter, like a lot of people have a rule. And I've tried to say, you know, for the for the 1980s, 10s, for the for the 1970s, nines, for the 60s, eights, for the 50s, you know, sixes or fives or sixes, and anything before it's like whatever you can get type of thing. Um, but but I don't. I don't put rules around it that way. If I see a card I love, like uh, Take my Jean Beliveau, for example. I have a Jean Beliveau PSA 5. I had upgraded to a PSA 7, but I kept my 5. I had my 5 for many years. I decided one day I'm going to sell the 7 and keep the 5 because the 7 just was almost too nice. It looked too nice, and I wanted some aging to the borders. So I sold the 7 and kept the 5. Very unlike me in terms of what I would usually do, but I was happier with the 5. So to answer your question... Uh, not really. I I do try to buy the card, not the grade, because you can find, you know, high grade cards that are off center, but they still manage to fit into what 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 it takes to be a say a PSA eight or a PSA nine. So really, to me, surface is super important. I'm I if a card is out of focus, if the if the registration isn't isn't like bang on, I'm not a fan of the card, even if it's a PSA nine, like a PSA nine Gretzky that's out of focus to me, not interested. I'd rather have a PSA eight folk in focus with perfect registration Gretzky card. I'm more, I, I, I like, I don't like surface issues and I like good centering. I'm okay with, uh, with some edging issues and I'm okay with some corner issues, uh, more so than centering and surface to me, centering and surface are the most important for me. Uh, Ben says, who else from Upper Deck besides Grant has been on my channel? I've had Chris Carlin. I've had um, <clears throat> Billy Celio, Chris Carlin, and Grant Sandground so far from Upper Deck with more to come. Alex says, what's your opinion on McDavid PSA 10 Young Gun literally doubling in price in just four months? I mean, hey, it's riding the wave with everything else that's going on. I think if it wasn't, we'd have a problem. So I'm glad that it is. And I can see it holding. I can see it holding. It's an important card. And he's a great player. Um, and you know, he, for that to last for, for that card to keep pace with other cards of that caliber long-term, he needs to, to win. He needs to win. And if he doesn't win a cup, then he needs to be the perennial heart trophy winner for the MVP many times. I think Chris West says, I got to watch Ricky as a kid. One of the best players ever. Yeah, man, I I'm with you on that. I, I, I loved watching Ricky Henderson in the, uh, throughout the eighties and the nineties loved it. Carlos says, given the rest of the grouping, you are probably right to be picky. No sense in com compromising and having to upgrade. If you find the right one, it'll look great with the others. Yeah, man, that, that's what I'm all about. I've had many opportunities to buy a, a Willie Mays, but I haven't. I'm just waiting for the right card. Exactly. And Brian says, I have only sold eight cards, all the same, all pulled by me. Eight 1980 Ricky Anderson sold 1992 for 50 bucks. No tens. That is the one card I'm targeting. Yeah, I, I, Ricky Henderson's a great card. If he's a player you love, uh, he's a card you should have. Okay, we're at the end of the comments again. What I didn't get to was the Facebook thread that I put up the other day in the group. Uh, sorry, I put up, I think, earlier today or yesterday in the group, basically um, <clears throat> saying, hey, 
what do you guys want me to talk about? And I didn't really need to that because we've, this has been going on for, uh, for going on almost three hours here. I'm just going to scan that thread right now, guys. So that's where you see me looking just to see if there's anything that, uh, that wasn't addressed. And it seems like um, most of the questions there got addressed here today. So, you know, if people re recommend I could make this a call-in show, I don't know how to do that unless I give away my cell phone number. And then how do I get your voice on the show? I guess put it on speaker and my mic picks it up maybe. So something to consider, but not really my, my preferred. I, there's a, I'm juggling sort of enough that to bring it, make it a call-in too would just add to the confusion for me maybe. So we'll see. We'll see about that in the future at some point. I think pretty much everything else that, was, uh, that you guys posted in the group there was covered. Um, well, Sean asked, do you think Alex Ovechkin's career goal chase of Wayne Gretzky's record will co cause both players to lift in price? It's already happened, Sean. Um, Gretzky cards have gone up in value, and so have Ovech Ovechkin's cards. I think they already had their wave of chasing that record of uh, most goals all-time history in the NHL. But I think we'll see more of that. You know, As he gets closer, I think we still see some more. We can still, there's room for more growth. Uh, Brian says, I've been learning new school of cards and I'm looking forward to good decisions. There you go, man. Yeah, just be slow and ask questions for sure. Peter says, finding the PSA 980s hockey RCs prices very high now, especially the superstars. Yeah, PSA 9s are going up because people, the 10s are becoming uh, a little bit too expensive. So people are moving on to those. A three-hour tour. Of, oh, there you go. There's the reference to Gilligan's Island, a three-hour tour. Yeah, here we go. We're almost there. Don't do that. Yeah, there we go. Okay, guys, we're at the end of the comments again. We're five minutes shy of three hours. I mean, I don't know that I need to drag it out five minutes just to sake of getting to three hours to satisfy Paul, who's been dying for one of those for a while. But listen, I will say this has been a, a blast. I've had a really good time. I can't believe I'm still talking. I haven't shut up for two hours and 55 minutes, but thank you to those of you who lasted this long. Thank you for those of you who made it for a part of this. Again, if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, I greatly appreciate it. Don't forget, on Wednesday, I'll throw it up there. I haven't done this yet at all today, but this coming Wednesday is, uh, oh, it was there, is Dr. James Beckett for episode number 30 of Sports Cards Live. So that's a pretty monumental type of episode for me. I'm super excited to get to number 30. And uh, after that, though, I'm actually going on holidays, so I don't have a show planned for a week. And then I'm going to pick it back up where we left off with more guests. So I look forward to seeing you all then. I'm going to just see the, the last few comments coming in here. Uh, Legion Italia, thank you so much. Brian Jeremy Lee is the professor. I don't know about that, um, but thank you for the kind words. Peter says, did, uh, did I miss your sleeper pick? No, I didn't reveal my sleeper pick in hockey, and I'm not going to yet, Peter, but ask me later. Uh, ben, impressive. Thank you, Colin. Thank you for joining, man, and thank you for your message earlier today. I greatly appreciated that. Simon, Hey, man, thank you guys for watching for your time, my time. I look forward to this. This was actually, I, I must say, I kind of, I look forward to all these shows, but I really looked forward to this one because having no guests just was less pressure on me throughout the day. And that was nice. Carl says, after the virtual expo, this should be a mild warm up. Yeah, that was like, what was that, Carl? It's like 16 hours of straight streaming, but that was a ton of fun. Brett, really enjoyed the conversation. Always love hearing your thought. Thank you, Brett. Oh, I miss seeing you, man. Can't wait till uh, we can get together to shop again here locally and hang out. Brian, you are welcome. Alex, have you given any attention to the iconic tops WCW Nitro wrestling autograph sets from 98 and 99? Not many big wrestling sets aside from vintage. No, I do not follow wrestling. I've never been really a wrestling fan except for Hulk Hogan back in the day. And so the answer is no, I do not. 
All right, guys. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. We'll see you guys all again on Wednesday with Dr. James Beckett. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.